0: Hi-ho, and welcome to Cinema to the Letter. This episode, it's that masterpiece known as The Muppet Christmas Carol. cinema to the letter we break down the very nature of cinema letter by letter for each episode of a film miniseries topic we cover six films that fit a c for classic i for indie and for new e for egregious m for masterpiece and a for atypical who doesn't love an acronym am i right i am thomas and it feels like christmas <laughs> uh hello i am brian and i i definitely
1: didn't get done crying about 20 minutes ago after watching this movie <laughs>
0: You're going to be getting uh, Brian's fresh opinions Yes About uh, this particular movie As he had not seen it or a lot of Muppet movies Prior to, you know, entering my sphere You know, if you're in that camp And you haven't seen any Muppet things I'm going to force you to do that at some point (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's a lot to talk about With this particular movie, The Muppet Christmas Carol Which will be our M for Masterpiece episode For our Disney series And uh, before we get into... Any of, like, the Muppet stuff, this particular movie, anything like that. Brian, you've told me before, and you said maybe on, like, some Patreon recordings and stuff, um, you didn't grow up much of a Christmas person or a holiday person in general.
1: Not really. Not in terms of movies, really. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like, you know, we celebrated Christmas and everything, but, like, Christmas movies were never really a part of that. Like, I never watched any of the Christmas carols or It's a Wonderful Life. I like would catch Home Alone on TV every once in a while but not really which is kind of ironic because I love Christmas it's my favorite like time of the year I love the winter I love like all that stuff and um yeah but I just was never exposed to a lot of Christmas movies and it's very interesting to get to this movie in particular because like a Christmas carol there's been so many versions of it and there's just so many like different variations on that story but it's and so it's interesting to get to the Muppet Christmas Carol which is uh yeah I mean the, the, you have told me before though like that this is
0: uh, a story you love a lot right oh for sure yeah with a Christmas Carol I mean in general I was also like I was very much raised a Christmas person very much in terms of specifically the movie angle of it this movie was probably a big reason for that but you mm-hmm. know in general my household like we watched a Christmas story every year. Um, right. Until I personally got really burned out on it, um, and I haven't watched it in a couple years. Um, but, you know, uh, the, just the, the whole, like, Christmas in the movies kind of feel, I just truly love, especially just being a Florida kid, where, like, we yeah. never really experienced a white Christmas in my hometown. So it was then just like, wow, I'm transported instead of, like, going outside and being, like, 75 degrees or whatever. And yeah, no, and everyone's like,
1: oh, it's so, cold
0: outside. Right, oh, I need a scarf. I need to, (laughs) for for out here. But yes, a Christmas Carol in particular, though, I remember when I was younger, I just loved that story. I think it was not this movie, but like the Mickey Christmas Carol, which is the short that um, was very sort of like circulated Uh, that I watched a lot. And then, you know, just sitcoms would do their episodes that are like a Christmas Carol based. Right, of course. Some people have the whole thing of like, oh, any... Shakespeare story, I'll watch any version of Hamlet Mm -hmm. or whatever, I am like that with A Christmas Carol, like I'll watch any version of this story, and I I tend to, especially like every Christmas, kind of seek out ones I haven't seen before, even before this episode, I decided like, you know what, I've seen plenty of Muppet stuff, so I I dig into some A Christmas Carol adaptations I hadn't seen before, like I recently watched the uh, 1999 TV movie that starred Patrick Stewart, right, which was... Pretty solid version of it. I found out that he apparently did it as a one-man show originally, which I would kill to <laughs> see that. It's yeah, like him playing great. all of the parts on a he stage. <laughs> sounds fucking killer. <laughs> Along with that, I also watched... Um, just I've, I've watched the worst one, I think. Like, the bottom. Oh, okay. Me, which is the uh, 2022 uh, Apple original starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, Spirited, which I wasn't even aware oh, was fr- a Christmas okay. Carol adaptation <laughs> until I was doing research I knew that came out, I'm like, oh, that sounds like bullshit. And then I watched it, I'm like, oh, this is even more bullshit than I could possibly imagine. Because it is a musical, which I didn't realize either, um, okay. from Pasek and Paul, the like, La La Land and D. Revan Hansen guys wrote the songs. Um, but it's like, they totally, the Santa Claus A Christmas Carol, where like, Will Farrell is the ghost of Christmas present who, like, works for, like, as part of, like, a company where it's, like, Jacob Marley and Christmas Past and Christmas Future, they all, like, work in an office and, like, every year they have to do a Christmas Carol to some, like, asshole dude, and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is their pick for that particular year. And then, spoilers for this year-old movie that no one has seen because it's an Apple original. Um, <laughs> it turns out that, like, while he's trying to Christmas Carol Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds ends up flipping the script because, you know, he's aware he's in the Christmas <sighs> Carol. Jesus. Um, and he's like, well, what about you? Like, this story should be about you. Well, it's not about me. It hasn't been about me in so long, because it turns out Will Ferrell's character was Scrooge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently he died a month after A Christmas Carol, so then he becomes the ghost of Christmas present, which he's been for, like, over two centuries. And the movie ends up becoming about like, oh, Will Ferrell you need to like, because you know, in this world, if, whenever he retires, he can go back to the world of the living and become like an actual person. And he ends up wanting to do that because he falls in love with Octavia Spencer, who plays the secretary for Ryan Reynolds. And it's so bad. I fucking couldn't stand this bullshit. And on paper, it's like subversive Christmas Carol movie. It's kind of funny, but it has like some musical bits in it. Tracy Morgan is the voice of the Christmas future, who's upset that he has to keep pointing (laughs) at things, which is probably the best part of the movie. That's funny. like, I want to do more than point at things. Uh, (laughs) Which is like a cute bit. Uh, But yeah, that one, even as someone who loves this kind of shit, I was just like, how fucking dare you? And not even like in a sacred way. Like a Christmas Carol or whatever. Do whatever the fuck you want. It's a story that's over 200 years old. Do whatever the (laughs) fuck you want with it. But it's trying to be cloyingly sincere But also it's trying to, like, be subversive at the same time with all this stuff.
1: Right. It's got that Ryan Reynolds energy, I assume.
0: Right. And it's over two hours long. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And it's like, there's so many points. I'm like, guys, end this. End this. For the love of God. End I was literally just, like, by the end of it, like, Scrooge with the future. Like, spirit, show me no more. (laughs) All these images, things of what has been or what can have changed? Can I make this get off Apple Plus? Can I, like, fucking erase it from existence? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've I never watched that. I saw that it was like promoted on Apple for like a week, and I was like not gonna watch that because I I don't like Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell's very hit or miss. I, I did not know it was a Christmas Carol
0: like riff. Well, now um, I've sold you on it with all that. And, yeah, no, I'll
1: never you. watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but I know, so you aren't as big on it. But I know you've seen at least like a couple versions of the story, right? You're aware.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just sort of. Like you, I think, like you said, like, aware of the story just through, like, every show, every cartoon has done, like, some, you know, spoof on A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. in some way. And, like, I, I mainly, I weirdly enough, I have seen the Robert Zemeckis A Christmas Carol, like, multiple times. I don't remember Sorry, why. I think it was. Right. Yes. And I, I rewatched it for this episode because I was, like. It's the Disney miniseries. They made A Christmas Carol, so let's revisit it. And I hadn't seen it in, like, probably since it came out. And um, that one's not a bad movie, I will say. Like, it's... Robert Zemeckis' animation era is a a different discussion altogether. But, like, I don't mind that version of the story. Like, like I understand what you kind of love about the story. There's something so inherently, like, beautiful about it where, like... I don't even love the Jim Carrey A Christmas Carol, but, like, when he, you know, wakes up and is, like, the nice version of Scrooge, like, it does—it gets me. It makes me, like, just cry, because there's just something inherently,
0: like, just so beautiful about the story. Um, right, just that whole idea of, like, redemption and fighting, right. but even, like, the stingiest, miserliest person possible, it gives you some hope— that, like, oh, you know, there's, like, a way that you can change if you actually look back at your life. Which, of course, we all know, when if you did this to a rich person, that would totally happen. And it <laughs> yeah. would not be awful. Like, I don't know, where's Elon's <laughs> A Christmas Carol? Oh, God.
1: Yeah, he's gonna be, be visited by three ghosts for... They're gonna talk to him about Twitter. <laughs> about X. <acts. laughs>
0: <laughs> the ghost of blue check marks past, present, and future. Like, I also read, like, the actual novella when I was mm. younger... And I was especially interested, because, like, you mentioned the uh, Zemeckis version. That one is actually a bit more faithful than a lot of other versions. That's like, what I've whole heard, right? With like, thing uh, want and, uh, what is it? It's, like, want and uh, ignorance. The two kids that are underneath Kevin's yes. cloak. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Um, but not a lot of versions have that particular thing. I don't love the Zemeckis version of anything else, because, like, it'll have these, like, very faithful moments, and then do just, like, dumb Zemeckis shit. Like, when the Ghost yeah. of Christmas present. Is like, oh, let's go over to, C- come and know me better, man. Then we are do, like, a fucking theme park ride, where, yeah. like, the fucking room is moving around. Like, fuck off. This is dumb.
1: It's- and having Carrie be all three versions of the ghosts is a very interesting choice. Yeah. Because I don't think he's bad as Scrooge, and I actually kind of like elements of his performance, um, even if it is definitely a Jim Carrey performance, but, um... Yeah, it's not a bad movie, and, like, despite a lot of the CGI ugliness that it definitely has, like, I, I don't know, there's enough there, and I think just the inherent kind of beauty of the story, and also just the Christmas spirit, I think just kind of, like, I don't know, I don't hate that movie.
0: I'm not as huge on that particular, the Carrie version, nothing else, because I don't think it's actually a problem with, like, Carrie as Scrooge, I like that design of him. It's like the yeah. miser, like he fits kind of perfectly with that. It's like everyone else around him is so dead inside, <laughs> like, and, and that's really harmful, especially with like a Bob Cratchit and his family, where it's like that's the like sort of emotional tug and pull of the whole yeah. story, and they all look like such fucking zombies.
1: Yeah, it's the yeah, it's the really like bad thing about that movie is just it. The people look so un. Natural and like very creepy. That's a way it's a weird movie. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say my sort of favorite Christmas carols, though, of like the adaptations would probably be like there's, if you want your classic Scrooge, I'd recommend like the Scrooge from 1951, which stars Alistair Sim. That's kind of like the perfect, very standard version. Like Victorian right. London, very faithful, all the other stuff. Uh, there's the Richard Williams version, the short, which is great, the animated short from the 70s. Uh, then the Doctor Who one with Matt Smith and Michael Gambon, right. which is like, my favorite like Doctor Who anything, honestly. I think that's such a great version of that story. And then my favorite is the George C. Scott one from the 80s. Right. I think he's my favorite Scrooge. I think he just does it so perfectly. Um, but there's, a, there's another one that we're going to talk about in more detail that I would put amongst that, that upper echelon. So why don't we go ahead and jump into it. Let's jump into The Muppet Christmas Carol. Coming soon on video cassette. Walt Disney Pictures presents a Jim Henson production of a classic Christmas tale. Ah, I'm back. He's the world's greediest man.
1: It's Ebenezer Scrooge.
0: Until the magical night he meets someone extraordinary. Hello. It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. Oh! As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good
1: to be doing anything again.
0: Stuffed with holiday warmth and cheer.
1: just a season
0: to be jolly and joyous. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Coming to videocassette this fall, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone, whatever. So uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol came out December 11th, 1992, uh, directed by Brian Henson, who was, of course, the son of Jim Henson, the guy who created all the Muppet stuff. And this is notable as uh, the first major production without Jim Henson, who had passed away in 1990, um, and also without Richard Hunt, who was one of the principal performers who died earlier in 92. Uh, He was the guy who did, like, he was Beaker, he was Uh, Waldorf. Okay. Uh, Scooter was probably, like, his main character, the guy with the glasses. He's like, hey, boss, don't worry. Uh, That guy. Um, But, yeah, so two major figures in the Muppet world had died prior to this uh, movie being out. So a lot was on shoulders. And we should just go ahead and get into the the Muppet angle of it. Um, Yeah. Because if anybody knows me, if you have followed my podcasting uh, previously, uh, you would know I'm a huge Jim Henson Muppets fan, grew up with them, love them so much. But as I was kind of referencing earlier... Before this year, Brian, you hadn't really seen any of, like, the Muppet movies or anything.
1: No, yeah. I mean, like, I I, I mostly grew up with, like, I feel like Sesame Street was just a big thing. It was always on. Um, And I mainly grew up as, like, the Muppets. Like, I've mentioned this before with, like, the the Looney Tunes, right? Like, just, you just learn about them by growing up in America, right? They are just, like, an American institution. Um, Yeah. Despite Warner Brothers trying to take them off Max, the motherfuckers, Um,
0: (laughs) and despite Disney also not having a lot of interest in doing much with them over the last like twenty years or so,
1: (laughs) right. Um, But that was mainly how I knew of them, and you know, but but yeah, it wasn't until this year that I started really watching the Muppet movies, and I watched the first uh, three: so The Muppet Movie, uh, The Great Muppet Caper, and Muppets Take Manhattan earlier in like the the summer. And I, mm-hmm. I just didn't get to a Christmas Carol because it was the summer, and I was like, this feels very weird.
0: Could have done Christmas in July, but you
1: know, I, I could have, I could have, yeah, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and then I, I in li- in the lead up to this episode, have watched all, I guess what eight Muppet movies, right, mainline
0: Muppet, Muppet films. theatrically released Muppet movies, yes, right,
1: yeah, and I've I, I love them. I just think they're the fucking best, and. You know, even like though they are very like much a, a children's entertainment, I just have like fallen in love with them as an adult, and just think that these movies are are just so great. Even the bad ones, I think, have some redeeming qualities. But I, yeah, I've just loved discovering kind of what the Muppets are actually about in in their movies because, like, yeah, it they're so entertaining and there's so much fun, and I, I just love seeing them and. I mean, yeah, the, the Muppets are great. I love them.
0: Yeah, um, I remember when I was younger, I had the VHSs of Great Muppet Caper, The Muppet mm-hmm. Movie, and this one, uh, which I was, i didn't watch all year round with, like, The Muppet Christmas <laughs> Carol. Um, but um, th- those were the three main ones I watched. But also, I, like, at a certain point, really dove deep, because I remember very distinctly, like, I loved The Muppets when I was a kid, and then I remember mm-hmm. when I was, in, I think, like, fourth or fifth grade, going over to my library at school and seeing, like, there was a biography section and there was one for Jim Henson. And I'm like, oh, I recognize uh-huh. that name. He's, like, all the Muppet things. And then reading which just this, like, very, like, simple biography book where I would find out stuff about, like, oh, my God, for the opening shot of the Muppet movie, he's in, like, a little tank underneath a log, like, doing the puppetry. It was, like, yeah. such a fascinating thing. And also, my dad was, like, a huge, like, he loved the Muppets, too. I think that's a big thing, with like the Muppets is they feel less like just specifically children's entertainment as much as family entertainment, truly. Yeah. Mm Because it feels like it's one of those things where the Muppets get classified definitely a lot more into like, oh, it's like kid stuff, you know, with like your Muppet babies. Right. Like Sesame Street as well, that connection. But I like that Henson always kind of had that philosophy of like, no, I should be making things that like would entertain an entire audience, including like an adult in the audience. I think that's what's so great is that like any joke that you can find in like a movie there's like one they'll entertain an adult one they're not entertain a kid one entertain like an old person it's just like it it runs the game it's like a true like 8 to 80 kind of thing
1: yeah absolutely and like that it's i think what works so well about them is like you know all of the movies are very much about them like being performers and they are like you know they they want to entertain but i, I love yeah that they have these sort of you know, it's kind of the thing that people said about Pixar the whole time, where it's like they make stuff that adults will also get and like like and stuff like that. But it, it, it's just in the re- in the references that are just like, I mean, there are some references in those old Muppet movies where I'm like, I don't even get who this person is or like. What oh yeah, the cameos and stuff. We're just like,
0: who the fuck are you?
1: <laughs> yeah, but then they'll also have like Orson Welles, you know, in like one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema. Um.
0: <laughs> Prepare the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and Company.
1: it's great it's great Uh, yeah and i I love those two sides where like they have these like you know and especially like in the 2011 muppets for instance they'll have a lot of like a-list stars that like everyone will recognize and yet like yeah it runs the whole gamut of of kind of entertaining everyone which is what works so well about them but also just the like the puppetry which it's something I'll, I'll never understand. It's one of those things like just like animation where I'm just like it's it might as well be magic to me because I'll never get it. it. It's so great in just the character design and also just like just like for example Kermit who's such a simple design for his character and yet his he's so expressive. And I think that just really makes all of them. They're all like that. They're all just so expressive
0: and unique and like you just fall in love with them. And I'm curious, as a newcomer, do you feel, like, a big difference between the Henson and post-Henson era with, with the with the Muppets, like, from Muppets Take Manhattan to, like, this and forward with the various Muppet movies and stuff? Do you feel a distinct, like, difference? Is, is it some magic missing for you with that? Uh,
1: I mean, not really. I mean, uh, for this especially, I, I would never have imagined this was, like, after Henson's death, for instance, because, like, I, I think this movie's phenomenal it is such a great showcase for how great the Muppets can be. And even the next movie that comes after this Muppet treasure Island, which like I have a lot of issues with, but I think that that movie also is really great in how it uses the Muppets and like shows like, Oh, they can tell they we can just put the Muppets in other like stories and, and and just Mm -hmm. have, you know, that's funny, but also it's really great to see them tell these stories with, the muppets but i mean I, yeah no I, I don't really see that much of a difference necessarily i mean up until we get to like muppets from space which is like i
0: think pretty bad <laughs>
1: um yeah
0: i don't disagree with you even as someone who like i have nostalgic memories of like seeing that one in the theater like one of the first movies i ever saw in a the theater was treasure island uh, Okay, but i have a distinct memory of like seeing like muppets from space in the theater and even then like i can't really defend like from space just has like all like that trouble for me where like all the earlier Muppet things like the Muppet show and the movies and stuff. The thing I love about them so much is like that whole, let's put on a show thing, right? Let's like, mm-hmm. let's get together and like put on like a big show to like entertain everybody and make people happy to, to quote the Muppets 2011, <laughs> give people the third greatest gift laughter, um, <laughs> all that kind of thing. And the Muppets from space feels so much more like crass And feels so much more like we have to, like, put the Muppets into, like, the late 90s in particular. Like, because it's, like, 99. Mm -hmm. It feels very distinctly just like, oh, no, we got to do, like, really interesting. Like, that weird period, like, the turn of the millennium is a very odd period for the Muppets. uh, Considering, like, with the history that specifically ties into Disney with the Muppets. is like, um, in the late 80s, Jim Henson was at a period where, like, he had done Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. And those weren't, like, huge successes that were kind of, like, very decried. And he was also kind of, like, worried, like, I don't know if I can really keep up with, like, doing interesting new creative outlets and having these characters that made me sort of, like, continue onward in the way that, like, I where I'm, like, supervising it constantly. So he wanted to make a deal with Disney, at the time run by Michael Eisner, (laughs) um, who, interestingly, uh, I found out had been, uh, when he worked at ABC in the 70s, was the main guy who greenlit, like, one of the early pilots for The Muppet Show. When he went over there. Like, one of the early uh, pilots, yes. And so then he was like, you know what? I want to, like, try and give my characters a really solid legacy to, like, continue forward. And so he was trying to make a deal with Disney about this, where it would also work out with him, where it's like, well, I want The Muppets to have, like, a home, but also Disney was, like, in the negotiations trying to give him like, oh, we'll give you, like, a 15-year contract where you can, like make some other movies for us and maybe do some stuff at the theme parks which he was fascinated by stuff like that and the negotiations were infamously kind of disastrous with Henson mm-hmm. they were like very long and the was like Jeffrey Katzenberg was, like, screaming at him, and Michael Eisner was like, hey, could we maybe get the Sesame Street, like, characters, too? He's like, no, stop asking me. That's a children's television workshop. I don't own those characters. Stop it. (laughs) Um, And so it was, like, very stressful and haggardous for him dealing with that, and then, like, he had done the show The Jim Henson Hour that was kind of bombing and, like, kind of falling apart, and then he got sick very quickly in, like, 1990 and he ended up dying very suddenly on May 16th, 1990. Weirdly, like, less than a week after his final project, which was the Muppets go-to Walt Disney World special, which is very interesting to watch considering that, where, like, it ends literally with, like, the Muppets going up to, like, an animated Mickey Mouse who's like, welcome to the family, everybody! And, like, the literal end song is all the Muppets singing, like, oh, we're gonna give you more stuff, more stuff. It's the Muppets and Disney, it's gonna be so great. And then Henson dies, like, less than a week later. (sighs) It's, like, really, really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Considering all that stuff, yeah. Um, But then, obviously, the deal fell apart at that point with Disney, but still, they were able to... At least try and be friendly with the Jim Henson company where it's like, hey, we'll like distribute and finance uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. But then after that, like the they kind of fizzle the relationship because Muppets from Space is a Sony movie. Yeah. And like a lot of the yeah. And then a lot of the other projects there after that, there's a weird point where like in I believe 2000, the Muppets were bought by like some obscure German television company who owned the rights for like a second before they went bankrupt. And sold it back to the Jim Henson Company, and then finally Michael Eisner, near the very end of his tenure, when he is like being ousted from <laughs> Disney, in like a very—I would recommend anybody the Disney War book. There's a lot more detail about this particular era where he's like on his way out. He's barely just like, uh, well, I want to get the Muppets. That was the one thing I couldn't get, because the deal fell apart. I want to make sure that actually happens, and so he bought them. And then it feels kind of like he buys them. Eisner gets ousted, and then. Disney's like, well, what do we do with this? Right. Muppets. What the fuck is this? What are we going to do? And I feel like they've had a very tumultuous relationship with Disney after that point. Where it feels like sometimes they'll do, like, a movie like The Muppets, and sometimes they'll just stick them into, like, I don't know, you do, like, The Muppets, Wizard of Oz. Which, if you want, like, the worst Muppet thing possible, I think that's it. (laughs) That is, like, rock bottom for me. That is terrible. No offense to Ashanti, uh, who tried her best as dorothy but no it's just a that's a real rough rough time
1: <laughs> huh yeah i mean it is that like yeah big gap of like of the movies at least from 99 until 2011 which is like a pretty big gap in like just culture like what was happening around that time and like there's no movies out and i, I mean i i think i like the muppets 2011 movie more than you do um mm mm-hmm. But, and and I think part of the reason I like that is what you were saying earlier. It's like, it feels like a movie that is, well, it is like literally the Muppets putting on a show to come back, but it it is also like, I, I like the aspect of that movie that is kind of commenting on that, right? Like the Muppets have been gone for a while and just that idea of like, people do people really care about the Muppets anymore? Like, what you know? Like, who cares about any of this? And then I don't know. You watch that movie? At least I do, and I'm I'm just like, of course we care about the Muppets. They're the fucking best. Like, they rule.
0: <laughs> right, right. And to be fair, I felt that way a lot more when it came out originally because you have no idea how sure. fucking hyped I was in like 2011. Like, they're <laughs> fucking back. The <laughs> are so fucking back. Let's go. Um, and then I just think that movie soured for me if nothing else because of like post that movie. You had, like, Muppets Most Wanted, which, noble effort, but doesn't quite come together that well. And then they don't do really any, like, movie stuff after that, and then even the shows that they've done after that have been, like, very mixed quality. Like, it still, it feels like they kind of just brought them back for, like, hey, Muppets 2011, we're coming back, everything's gonna be great. And then we kind of went back to the same thing we did before. (laughs) We're just not really using these characters that much anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, Muppets Most Wanted is okay, It's, like, Mm. fine. It it is, like, this thing of, like, even at their worst, even, like, Muppets from Space, which is, like, which barely feels like a movie, in my opinion. Like, it's giving real after-school special energy. And also, it just kind of feels like they don't really know what to do for the movie, right? Where it's, like, them hanging out, and then it's, like, uh, Gonzo's. Gonzo's an alien now, not a whatever. Yeah, and, like, none of the jokes are good, and the... The the cameos in that one are really dated. I mean, oh, what are you
0: talking about? Like a Hollywood Hulk Hogan? <laughs>
1: oh, what a weird and a Dawson's
0: the, Creek like in universe <laughs> fucking cameo. And yeah. Peppy the prawn. And that, that's my big problem. I hate Peppy the prawn. Yeah, I don't like, like
1: him either. Him. No, not really. And like Rob Schneider's in that movie, which is like, ugh. um. But I will say it is kind of upsetting that the two worst movies of these, in my opinion, which are. Muppets from Space and Most Wanted both have Ray Liotta in them
0: and oh, he's like true. he rules like I, I think he's really he's great very in funny from both space. Those, particularly in Muppets from Space he yeah, had the bit where like he has the amnesia just like oh come in everybody come on <laughs> the it's part so at
1: the thing. end where he's just like what the heck's going on over there <laughs> this is I think really great
0: um, and the thing is like I think a big trouble also is just the fact that like it comes with a territory of like having these legacy characters where like, who were very like iconically played by earlier people, like performed by earlier people. Like what works so well about the earlier Muppet things with like say Jim Henson and Frank Oz is that the two of them were able to like really hone those characters by like just performing off of each other and Mm -hmm. hanging out. And it feels like they were really able to like do something interesting with them as opposed to as time has gone on and these other very talented performers have taken over it feels like they're kind of in the shadow of Henson, but also aren't given the space by Disney to, like, actually make these characters their own or give life to new characters, especially. There's been a dearth of, right. like, interesting newer characters. There was a bit of that in, like, the Brian Henson era that this is a part of. There's some fun people. Like, in um, the later Marvel movies, there's the one Bobo the bear, who's, like, the big bear guy. She's like, oh, geez, I don't Oh, know. yeah. I, that guy's funny. He's like, great. I, I, like I him love a lot. him. Yeah. There's other people like Johnny Fiamma who's like in some of these where he's, like, he's the green guy that performs like um, Frank Sinatra numbers, shit like that. There, I, I wish they would just have the ability to like have some of these legacy characters but also introduce interesting new ones or even be able to do something interesting with some of the side people. Like I liked that um, Muppets Mayhem, the thing about the Electric Mayhem band that was like right. the, the show that was in Disney+. Plus. I thought that was fun. It got canceled recently. It's definitely a concern of like, I wish they would give these performers enough room to like really breathe with these characters. And it just feels like they aren't really given that. Especially with like this movie, I think it's a huge strength with, say, particularly like Steve Whitmire as Rizzo and Dave Goals as Gonzo slash Charles Dickens. <laughs> um, I think like that buddy duo only comes from, I think, like. A bit of Jerry Jewell, who's the screenwriter here, who wrote on a lot of like Muppet stuff, was like the head writer on the Muppet Show. Was around for a lot of these like earlier productions, in particular him, and then also like those performers getting to bounce off each other. Like the moment that's the ba- your background is one of my favorite <laughs> examples of that. It's just like the two characters like interacting with each other, and then like kind of and Gonzo just is like what, and then there's a pause, and this Rizzo kisses him on the nose a little smush (laughs) like it only comes from two guys like fucking around with the characters
1: (laughs) yeah and and there's there are so many little moments like that that like are just the muppets interacting with each other and have not a lot to do with this like this that moment doesn't have anything to do with like the story a christmas carol but it is such a like adorable little moment between these characters um, which I love.
0: Yeah, it is some of the best stuff is just
1: kind of the interaction between
0: them. Which I think you can do especially well with like these kind of, or like this in Treasure Island, where it's like we're taking a very familiar story, like you know A Christmas Carol, right? Let's have just Muppet antics in the middle of like the beats of A Christmas Carol.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, and like Treasure Island's the same thing of like they'll just put Muppets as some of these characters, put some humans in there and then, bada bing bada boom like you you know there is something just so inherently like entertaining about like i don't know put the muppets on a pirate ship (laughs) like that you know it writes itself like there's so many great things that just come from that and like i mean yeah it's it's part of like what i love so much about like this movie is that is also like what we were saying earlier of like having gonzo as charles dickens is so interesting of like it's still them telling a story in some way right they're trying to entertain and like yeah, it's an interesting angle to kind of approach it from.
0: Well, yeah, and it's so interesting, especially with Gonzo, who, like, in the earlier Muppet iterations is always, like, the weirdo Daredevil guy, who's just, like, doing weird stunts and shit, just being a maniac, and then putting him in, like, a dignified cap and, like, Victorian-era coat is already funny, but then also even him doing, like, straight-from-the-text, like, stuff of Dickens, you which is have- what makes this actually, like, a bit more faithful in adaptation than even a lot of other ones. Because, like, you actually have, like, the uh, sort of, like, the non-dialogue-driven stuff that was not usually in, like, a film adaptation. Just, like, the Marleys were dead to begin with and stuff like that. Like, you, you don't <laughs> get that with, like, most other adaptations, but having him as a narrator character works in that way, but also has a bit of a subversive edge, like, early on, we're just like, well, who are you? And, like, Rizzo talking to him, like, well, who are you? What are you talking about? Like, I'm Charles Dickens. <laughs> and it's like, well, he was a 18th-century author a genius why thank you <laughs> <laughs>
1: the one i love is later on when um when they're outside his window and he's like how do you know what's going on in there and gonzo dickens is like storytellers are omni- omniscient <laughs> they,
0: like i just know yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I, i'm very sure was the first time i ever heard the word omniscient as a child <laughs> <laughs> And i yeah. love that bit too where there's a point where they talk of like oh this is a bit scary like are, should we be concerned about the kids no no no. this is culture <laughs>
1: Right, and I I I do love that they are like you know that part where they leave where they're like oh this is getting too scary. He's like yeah you're right like you're on your own folks. We'll see you we'll see you at the finale.
0: <laughs> right, which is a great joke, but also does actually work for like actually giving the weight of like the Christmas future stuff.
1: I mean, right. Th- this is kind of the genius of like this movie, and like I feel like I'm a little harsh on Treasure I- Muppet Treasure Island. I'm I keep thinking about it, and I I like it more. But like, what w- what makes this movie really great is that. It is one, let's just put the Muppets in this story. And, you know, jokes will come out of that inherently. Um, But, like, I love that there is a genuine... It's a very earnest telling of A Christmas Carol, right? Like, it isn't really... It isn't Muppets from Space, where it's trying to be kind of, you know, that sort of millennial, like... Ed- edgy kind of kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like it
0: feels well, more, like it- that one is way more Gen X, though, because it's like nostalgia for like the seventies, very specifically, with all the weird soundtrack choices and shit. That's true. That kind yeah, of like that's true. Gen X snark kind of thing, just like right. oh, whatever we're, we're doing. As opposed to like, yeah, this feels a lot more earnest, and I think it, a big credit to that is another thing that a lot of people talk about in terms of like when you have a Muppet project, especially the movies, the better ones tend to have like a really solid human. Actor, right at their forefront. Like you've got like Charles Durning who plays the villain in the Muppet movie, mm-hmm. or Charles Grodin and Diana Rigg in the Great Muppet Caper. Especially Charles <laughs> Grodin, just he loves Miss Piggy <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, even Take Manhattan has like doesn't have as strong an element of that, but at least like you know like the Jenny, the like la- the waitress lady, and the Broadway producer's son are like still fun and feel like have a similar low status to the Muppets. So you're kind of endeared a bit more. Um, right. But then this movie, of course, has Sir Michael Caine. Michael Caine. My name <laughs> is Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, who is phenomenal in this movie. Like, one of my favorite yeah. Scrooges. And I think particularly because he said this as much like when he was asked to do this by Brian Henson. He's like, I'm going to treat this like I'm doing a Christmas carol with the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> not like I'm doing it with Muppets. <laughs> and that is so crucial to this movie because if you had a guy in here who was like winking and nodding the whole time you had like James Corden or whatever like some oh, asshole God. who's just like uh, <laughs> fucking like bumbling around just being like wink I'm Mr. Scrooge or whatever that wouldn't be nearly as like impactful as like the moment he like comes walking in with like that Scrooge number you're instantly just like this guy is an asshole <laughs> and he doesn't give a shit about how cute any of these guys are especially that little bunny guy bean bunny <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cute, particularly. We're just like, "Please, sir, uh, a, a penny for a song." And then he like gets the wreath, and then he opens the door back, and Bean Bunny's like, "Oh, look! He's gonna give me a penny!" and They like throws the wreath. At him. <laughs> he like th- like really hurled it at him. It's really yes. funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, it, it really is what works about this movie, but also like what's so crucial about really just getting like those cameos in Muppet movies. I think it's really like. I almost feel like a a sort of measure of a great actor is, like, can they act opposite, like, these Muppets, right? Because I think of, like, you know, Orson Welles, or, like, I love, like, a lot of the cameos in the 2011 Muppets, and, like... Or Treasure Island Tim Curry, my man. And Treasure Island Tim Curry. He is incredible in that movie. And, (laughs) like, yeah, it is just, you know, can these actors, like, act alongside these Muppets, these little, these, you know and these little guys yeah and it, it it is kind of can they take it seriously enough and not kind of I, I think those are some of my favorite performances is the ones that treat it so seriously like a chris cooper in the the 2011 one is also great it's, um yeah it just works so well about this and yeah he's a great scrooge and like is giving a really great performance and it, it, yeah it's what's great about this movie is that it is a bunch of you know animals and mu- and Muppets and animal of course um <laughs> <animal> himself yes <laughs> but yeah it, it's just his performance is really grounding you in like this is still a, the, a rendition of a Christmas Carol which is just yeah so great
0: and I think a big reason for why he also works just in general with like this being a Christmas Carol adaptation I think the best Scrooges tend to be guys who treat the material like you know the, that character as if they're like, okay, I am a mean, angry person, but it's not out of, like, total animosity. Like, you, there, I've seen Scrooges where somebody's like, oh, I'm bitter. Right. Like, that versus, Kane feels like he's, like, bitter about the world, but in a way that feels like it comes from, like, he has been hurt in the past. Like you can tell yeah. from his eyes, it almost feels like he's, like, suffered a lot of, like, regret and a lot of anguish about, like, his past decisions. You gotta have that kind of thing. He has it. Perfectly, Like I said, from the moment he's, like, walking around, he walks with the gait of a guy who's like, I have no time for people around me. I've already suffered too much in my life. I don't need to, like, bother with you little miscreants down on my <laughs> fucking feet and whatnot.
1: Yeah, but then there's also just, it's just really, like, also funny when, like, the scene where he's in the office and, like, they're asking for, like, more coal it's just really funny to see Michael Caine like argue with these like rats
0: and Kermit. <laughs> How would everybody like to be unemployed? This is my island in the sun. The most Muppety gag in this movie, but it works perfectly. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> and the, but like
1: I I also just love all of the the little Muppet characters. Like I, one of the things I love about these movies is that it isn't just the main Muppet cast, and then, like, there are Muppet, like, civilians just walking around and everything. And I think it, like, that element, I think, really adds to kind of you feeling a bit more grounded in this story, is just the fact that, like, everyone, there's Muppets and humans just, like, hanging out together. It's, It's so much fun.
0: That great opening shot does a lot for this movie. Yeah. It's just like you're going through like all the the skyway and then you like go by the roofs and then you're like down on the ground and you just see like first things those two British pigs are just like, what a great breakfast. Yes, yes. Now what do we do? <laughs> let's have lunch. Yes, let's have lunch. And there's like uh, the, the Muppet fruits and like one of them is like getting stolen by a kid and it's just like, I'm being stolen, help me. <laughs> it, like, it just adds like there's some humor there but it feels like you're truly in like this version of Victorian London which is a right. big shout and also to just Brian Henson, I think, is an underrated director of, like, this and, like, Treasure Island. He has a great job of making the worlds feel very grounded at the same time he has, like, silly Muppet characters in there. It makes all those jerks, jokes work better because yeah. he has, like, that kind of, like, ability to really immerse you in the entire environment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, like, I just... I mean, the production design of, like, just their little version of London Town is so beautiful. Like, it just is so evocative, like, even though it is like, you know, a little Muppet town. It's, it's so
0: kind of silly, but I, I think it really works. And it feels like you're almost like zooming into like a, somebody's Christmas village, like at their house, like one of those displays.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. It, like, you know, it looks like a, like a miniature, but the, yeah, there is something very like playful and very fun about it, which I really love. And I agree with you. Like, I think it's really, I don't think these movies are get enough credit for how well they're directed. Because it's like I mean it's it's very difficult to get like humans and these puppets and like there are all these really incredible like shots in this movie like the kind of canted angles like um, I think of the one right before Scrooge is about to come out of his house after the after the ghosts visit him and it's like just like Gonzo and Rizzo and like the you know it, it looks really great and
0: or the amazing uh, shot of um, it's when Kermit and uh, Tiny Tim Robin, the frog, are, like, walking back home, and they're doing that little scat thing. Just, like, yeah. D-season. And, like, the fact that you, you're seeing, like, Kermit, um, like, actually walk village, where it's just, like, oh, there's the, this frog thing's walking around. That's a great example of, like, doing that, that sort of thing that, like, isn't a lot of these movies, like in the first Muppet movie when uh, Kermit's on the bike, stuff like that. Right, We're just yeah. wondering, like, that movie magic, like, how the fuck are they getting that puppet to do that? There's, and yeah. stuff like that.
1: There's so much stuff in this movie where, I'm again, I'm just like, I don't know how they did that. Like, there's, you know, it is still like, you know, it's funny because even though you're watching like puppets and like, it's such a simple, like, you know, in a way it's simple form of entertainment. And yet there's so much of that. Yeah. Like the movie magic that it's in there. Yeah. It it really kind of like boggles your mind at times of just like, oh my gosh, this is like an incredible, like piece of craftsmanship which is like a really important part of like all of this stuff is like these characters right gonzo and kermit and everything like are being performed and which is like so insane to me
0: (laughs) which is another pet peeve i have about the modern disney era even in like the muppets and muppets most wanted is how much they just utilize like the cg angle of it of just like we can make them do anything they're still puppets thankfully but, like, they still have them, like, oh, we're going to, like, make them walk around, like, so easily. It's like, yeah, but I know, like, this is just, like, them on a green screen or whatever. There's not as much, like, a magic there. They even, they remove the rods digitally, which I think is bullshit. I don't yeah. like that. Even on the certain uh, Muppet projects on Disney+, Plus, they are digitally removing the rods still. And I don't like that. Even as a kid, like, I knew, as a little kid, I knew these were fucking puppets. I knew they were right. made out of felt or whatever, but <laughs> it just didn't matter to me, and it made me appreciate them even more, where it's like, oh, wow, there's, like, a little rod on Gonzo, like, some guy's moving below, like, frame, but that makes it so much more impactful, like you're talking about, because, like, you can see, like, the real dedication, because you can, like, that little peek behind the curtain makes you, like, feel a bit more invested in
1: it. The example I always love is, like, the Swedish chef, where, like, he is such a great character, and is such, like, you know, expressive and everything, but his hands are human hands. (laughs) And they're very obviously human hands, but it's just... (laughs) so funny and it is a great like you know it's a great of like yeah we have this great puppet with great design and everything but like i don't know what do we do about his hands just use just use regular hands it's it's a great yeah sort of blending of like the movie magic side of things but also like the kind of thing with which i think is true of like all these muppet movies of like there's a bit of them that kind of they want you to know that you're being like told a story but not in that sort of fourth wall breaking way that we ha- we kind of I think talk about a lot that is kind of grading which we see a lot of a lot of recent movies is i think they they do a really great job of kind of making you aware of like this is a story we're all here to like tell the story and we're entertaining you but yeah there is still a bit of that sort of craft and really beauty behind it
0: right the fourth wall breaking is mainly reserved for like the characters who are breaking the fourth wall of like Gonzo and Rizzo Right. Constantly. We're just like, and even like in the older Muppet movies, they, whenever there was a fourth wall breaking joke, it was actually something clever. Instead of right, just like in this fucking dumb <laughs> or whatever. Right, like, there's they, like Ryan Reynolds so does smart. now or whatever bullshit. <laughs> yeah.
1: All of the sort of fourth wall breaking jokes in the Muppet movies are just so funny. And for, and like, are, you know, from like, it is very weird to sort of be reminded like, oh my gosh, we can have these like, you know, nudge, nudge, like winking at the audience moments and have them be genuinely hilarious sometimes. Like, they just really get me, like, uh, I don't know, just off the top of my head. Like, I love just, I don't know, the travel by map thing I always think of from, like, the 2011 Muppets, where it's like, how'd you right. get here? No, oh, we traveled by map. It's like
0: my, It's great. <laughs> my favorite, the one that, like, blew my mind as a child is still in the Muppet movie with, like, when Kermit and Fozzie meet the Electric Mayhem, and they're trying to explain everything, but it's like, you know, here, just read the script. And they read, like, <laughs> up to that point in yes. the script, just like... And it's like, oh, what an interesting story. All right, we'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that
1: stuff is just so great. And, like, I mean, it's such a delicate balance, I think, especially with this movie, right? Because, like, this is a very emotional story, right? Like, there's just something, in like, it's, it's a real tearjerker. And I think it's a really delicate balance of, like, how do we still infuse a lot of that Muppet energy Without kind of taking out the just the weight and the like impact of the story, it's a really like impressive balance.
0: I think, and I think a big reasoning for that working as well is like something where in development they were originally planning to have our sort of ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future be Muppet characters. things was gonna be like Gonzo was gonna be like Christmas past and that kind of thing. And I think that would have broken you out of the story because that's something that like a lot of other, you know, sto- versions of the story do, where it's like, let's right. cast our characters in these different roles. And I think it takes a lot more restraint to be like, no, we want to have these ghosts have weight. So we're going to have new designs. And I love each of these, like past, present and future designs, where it's like you got past, who's this like haunted ghost girl. That looks amazing. Yeah. That scared me as a child, by the way. I was terrified of this It's a little kid.
1: unsettling. Yeah, I, can, I yes. can see that,
0: yeah. And especially the way that they did that, where it's like, she is superimposed in because um, they had, like, the puppet underwater. Of That's course. how they get to, like, float and stuff like that. And just insert it over. And it looks seamless. It's beautiful. Just so yeah. Like she's integrated into it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's great. I think, like... Well, because that's what I was wondering, right? Because I, I watched the Jim Carrey A Christmas Carol last night to kind of like re-familiarize myself with like the A Christmas Carol story, right. and then I, the whole time I'm watching that movie, I'm just like, "Oh my god, who are who are the Muppets playing in this story?" Right? Like, it is a a really exciting thing of just like what what characters are they going to be playing? And I, I agree with you. Like, I think having th- kind of the core characters that we know be the ghosts would have been really distracting. And I think I like that they chose to do them. You know, I like that Kermit is not, like, a central, necessarily, like, he's not a central figure to the story. Like, he's Bob
0: Cratchit, of course, but, like... He could have been Charles Dickens. That would have been the more easy thing to do. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because he plays that kind of role, especially in, like, any of the, like, Christmas specials the Muppets did. He would usually, like, come in, especially ones where the Muppets weren't hugely involved you just going to be like, hi-ho, I'm here, and here's this story that you're about to see, and whatnot, versus having, like, a gonzo do that. That's already an off-kilter choice, but it keeps you invested. That immediately just makes you realize, okay, this isn't going to be quite what I would expect from the Muppet Christmas Carol. And then right. the three ghosts are even more of that. I mean, to be fair, also, we should create, there are technically five ghosts here, because you have Sadler and with oh, this yes, Marley course. and Marley, <laughs> which is like, even though those characters are, like, very funny, obviously, but... That is also creepy, just the way that they like redesign them for <laughs> like being yeah. Marley's and like the chains that are like all around them. They feel like, un- especially when like they're being dragged away at the end of their song, and it feels like they have yeah. like they're actually being choked by these chains around them. Like they do their jokes. And they'll have, like, points where, like, almost shiver and a sigh, like, remember that Christmas where we threw out all the kids from the orphanage? Oh! <laughs> and then they get, like, choked by their chains because they reminded of their horrible deeds that they did. It, it sells it even more, like, even those jokes that happen just feel like, oh, we're distracting ourselves from our eternal torment in the <laughs> yes. afterlife.
1: Yeah, they're great. They might, there might be my favorite of the Muppets, um... I always just love to hear them pop up and see what, what like you know, I love that they're shit talkers. Like I just maybe it's that angle yeah. that I love. But um, yeah, and like it, it's a really interesting, de- interesting decision to have like them be. You you would think that it would go too far into the comedy, but they still do the jokes right. Like you still get the, them doing oh like you know, you get that their banter. But it it it's still a really great version of like that scene from A Christmas Carol. Like I, I really like it. Um, and also, yeah, just really, like, unsettling and creepy and is so, like, visually interesting to see them as, like, as the ghost characters, I think.
0: Yeah, and even, like, I love the bit, too, where, once again, Michael Caine is not treating this in a joking way where he sees them. Just, like, there's more gravy than a grave of you. And it's like, well, oh, gravy than a grave, what a terrible pun! <laughs> Leave the comedy to the bears, Ebony <laughs> like they're they're willing to be they, them being jokey works for like those elements of that while still keeping that central thing of like these are people who have been damned because of their sins at the same right. time it's central to who they are as these characters
1: and it's great casting to get them because they are the the two like grumpy old men of the Muppets it's a, it's a great right. like casting choice as well
0: but even like the, the bit early on when like Ebenezer goes up to his door and the doornail turns into uh, Statler like that's a bit where like it's, like, it's much more funny now in retrospect, but I remember, once again, as a kid, like, oh, terrifying. Yeah, it's always, like, yeah. and I think this is one that also gets the idea of, like, this being a ghost story. I think A Christmas Carol was also very central in me becoming a horror fan, because it's, right. like, it is a creepy story of just, like, being visited by these specters of various different times in your life. I think just, like, it immediately immerses you in, like, kind of like a creepy atmosphere for, like, a Jovial Christmas story. And whatnot, and I think that works for like the three ghosts that we do get. Like past, present, I think is such a great kind of middle ground of like a Muppety character that feels very true to the story, um, who's performed yeah. by Jerry Nelson. And I love the way that like that's a great example of the sort of multiple people performing a character because there's a guy in the suit, but then off camera, Jerry Nelson is like doing the voice, but also has like this cool little rig that's like these little radio remote control things where like he has his hand inside like a mechanical thing. That's moving the, huh. the mouth. And there's also another guy doing, like, the eyes, even. Where, like, his eyes can move, like, up and down. So, like, there's, like, so many people getting just that guy to, like, work. And it's so wonderful.
1: Yeah. I think it's better than, like, the Carrie version of, like, having him just be big. I like that it makes him kind of normal-sized as well. Like, I, you know, it's a really great version of, like, the Christmas... Present.
0: Well, he still can be. I like that he can change size. Like, he goes big. Right. You know, there's points where he goes, like, really small for, like, the mice. Oh, right. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And then, like, the the, the, the ghost of, of Christmas future is, like, kind of genuinely creepy. Like, yes. Even, like, I was expecting a moment where, like, he took his hood off and it was going to be, like, the, you know, it was going to be, I don't know, fucking, like, animal or something. Yeah. <laughs> But oh, like,
0: Swedenes is like the obvious, choice right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, It's like, oh, where are you guys going? <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> yeah, being but a it, Christmas Carol <laughs> too. But yeah, it, it's it's not. It, it's again like it's part of that thing of like they know when to have these Muppet characters be more jokey, but they know when to just be like, just tell a Christmas Carol. They know how to just tell the story, and yeah, they actually like like you were saying, like I, it's they never stray from the fact that this is a ghost story and there is, like, an inherent creepiness in that, which obviously, like, Gonzo and Rizzo, like, call out, but, like, in the Ghost of Future, Christmas Future, like, I don't know, I was really, like, struck by how creepy the design for him was.
0: But he still feels like he fits within, like, the Muppet angle of it. He still feels like an actual, like, puppet. Like, his hands are a bit Muppety. Yeah. like, long and spindly at the same time right that's the thing they, they ride that great line even up past has that too where she feels like it's clearly like a, a muppet in terms of like the face but it feels like just a bit off in yeah. a way that th- makes it feel unsettling and even like present also has a bit of that where like after he's like very jovial as the christmas goes along like when he's at his ending state and he's like older and he's oh he's got the, like aged. the
1: gray hair and everything yeah, yeah.
0: And he's starting to, like, forget things um, and stuff like that. He's, like, truly, like, fading away into, like, his old Christmas color lights and stuff like that. It feels like they're, once again, they're keeping the spirit of a Dickens novella, like, central at the same time they are, like, Muppety characters. And then having, you know, like, Animal or Sam Eagle fuck around and stuff like that, which I love. <laughs> Sam <laughs> Eagle is so Eagle. great <laughs> when he pops it just like the, it is the American way. Huh? <laughs> oh. It is the British way.
1: That's a great example of what we're talking about, that sort of fourth wall breaking, where it's like, isn't it, it's Gonzo or Rizzo that, like, whispers to him, right? Like, yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just great. <laughs> and he's great. And I that love...
0: Is, that works so well, because, like, he, uh, he gets that little information and says, it's the British way. And then he looks around like, the fuck was that guy doing here? Yeah. <laughs> he's not one of my students <laughs> and there's also a great little bit like as they're fading away and he's like oh the coach is going to come for you it's like now don't tip the driver <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: yeah he's oh, i love sam the eagle he's great and like i love him in muppet treasure island as um i forget sam. the character right as yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> sam yeah. arrow Same yeah him, yes um yeah he's great um
0: and but, I think that's a big thing. What's interesting also with like him and some of the other things, like if I had an issue with this movie just in terms of less the specific adaptation and more like sort of Muppet history in general. This feels like kind of the beginning of the end of Frank Oz giving a shit about the Muppets because you know his right. characters are less u- utilized here, like Fozzie Bear is just Fozzie Wig who pops up for a couple scenes, which is um, great though. It's um, a great, it is great. Like- it's a great pun, <laughs> worth it for the pun. Um, and then Miss Piggy also is Miss Cratchit, who only appears in, like, a couple bits and pieces. So it, it feels definitely like they're... It's not nearly as egregious as, like, in Treasure Island, and especially from space. Like, literally at that point, someone else is puppeteering on set, and Frank Oz is, like, dubbing the voiceover later. And you can Oh,
1: uh, okay. Right. It
0: feels like those characters aren't nearly as, like, heartfelt from Oz as you can see previously. It feels like once Jim passed away, he really dove more deep into, like, his directing career, Right. This one at least feels like it's kind of like his bon voyage, as it were, from the characters. Because he's still, like, actually there on the set. And he's, like, an executive producer and stuff like that.
1: You love to see Miss Picky just show up. And in, in, whenever she shows up in one of these movies, they always give her, like, a great reveal.
0: You know? Yes. Um, With her in the chestnuts, she's like, Mother, you said we couldn't eat the chestnuts. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a, I, I'm just tasting <laughs> it to make sure that it's done. It's a chef's thing, dear.
1: And I always love to hear, like, what she's going to call Kermit, right? Because she calls him Kermie.
0: But in this one, well, it's, it's Cratchy. <laughs> Cratchy. <laughs> and also, even with, like, her character here, her and Kermit, like, a big thing, like, despite the fact that, obviously, you know, Kermit gets to do some, uh, like, funny bits here, and they're like the, the one more sleep till Christmas number, and something like that he gets to, like, have yeah. some fun with, like, skiing around. They still treat the material even seriously with, like, them, like, they have, like, funny joke bits here and there, but, like, the scene after, like, Tiny Tim has passed in, like, Christmas Future, and they just have the whole thing where, you know, Kermit's talking about, like, uh, I, we chose a little spot on the hill so he can, so you can see the ducks on the river. And she says, like, Tiny Tim loved looking at the ducks on the river.
1: <sighs> That's, that, I think that was one where I had one of my cries. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and,
0: and then Kermit like literally goes into like the whole thing of, like uh, life is full of meetings and partings like oh fuck dude what yeah Jesus oh man it, that's part of the stuff that where it feels especially like you know this being the first movie with that Jim Henson like I think that's part of it right honestly that it feels like they're kind of like going through that angle of it even and of course is also Steve Whitmire his first turn at Kermit yeah. mm-hmm. um and how do you feel about like because that, that's a big sticking point for a lot of people is like Kermit sounding different. And like some of the other characters, like sounding different in one. How do you feel about Steve Whitmire's version of Kermit?
1: I don't mind it. I, I definitely notice a difference from like obviously from Henson, because like I think Henson in those first three movies is like perfect as Kermit. Like I really love just like Kermit in those movies. He just has like I don't know. There's something so perfect about his characterization and the voice and everything. Um, but I, I don't dislike it by any means. I I, I definitely think it's like. A noticeable difference and like i kind of notice it but it it doesn't really take away from like kermit because he's such a great like character i think he's just you know like i said earlier he's like so simple but he's like weirdly expressive a lot like his like lips move a lot it's so like subtle but i um yeah no i i think it's great and he he does a great job for for like up until he doesn't for all of them right but up until most wanted
0: Right, yeah, because shortly after most point, there was a whole thing. I'm still not even completely sure of the details of the sport. Basically, like, he apparently was a massive diva about, like, oh, I'm Kermit. Right. Like, you have to, like, follow my demands. Like, Kermit wouldn't do this. Kermit wouldn't do that. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people just eventually got tired of just, like, fuck off, dude. We're going to get somebody else. And they got Matt Vogel, who I just, I'll never get over. Like, they got the guy who played Constantine, the character infamous for, like, not <laughs> being able to replicate Kermit. And they got that guy to fucking play Kermit. It still feels so weird to me.
1: It is weird. Yeah. I don't know. I like Constantine, though. He's fun. Oh, he's a lot
0: of fun. Yeah. And I think the thing is with these, some of these other movies, I think it works for this movie, but in some of the other ones, something that's kind of missing for me from, like, Kermit after Henson dies is the, the moments where he will actually, like, kind of blow up and kind of be frustrated. Right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really happen nearly as much because it feels like they kind of have to make Kermit sort of a figurehead and they can't really make him have, like, those moments. But that was kind of the appeal to me. Like, on The Muppet Show, there would be so many points where, like, oh, a gag is falling apart. Or, like, there's backstage drama and Kermit can't, like, handle it, And he'll just, like, blow up about something. That's part of, like, the endearing quality of him. As opposed to, like, I'm just a straight-up good guy who doesn't have any kind of, like, foibles or human, like, anger issues or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. No, I don't know. I, I still like the the voice and the characterization of Kermit like but I will say yeah there's something very special about Henson in those three movies doing Kermit like I, I really think that I, I love yeah those moments where he blows up are just really funny and are just there's something very cute about him but like seeing him blow up is is just so I don't know it's so charming
0: um or even in like takes Manhattan that's what kind of my favorite part of that movie is there's like the whole point where they're like oh they're desperate and they don't know what to do And they keep looking like, Kermit, can you help us? Kermit, guide us. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I'm with you. I don't have no fucking idea. We're stuck in New York. I don't know what the fuck to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I grew up with, like, a lot of, like, the 90s era Muppet stuff. At the same time, I was, like, watching the older stuff. So I just, I never, like, found quite as big a difference aside from that, which only came from, like, years later being, like, analyzing it. As opposed to, like, when I was a kid, it's like, I don't know, it's Kermit. Whatever.
1: Sure yeah i, I it, it is also very interesting that like the three i watched months ago were the hence were the ones where henson is kermit and the ones i watch now are the ones where it's not it's with whitmire so yeah i'm also having a bit of like trying to remember from like months ago but yeah I, I'd, I'd be curious to kind of revisit those those first three ones because i i now want to even more after watching like all these other ones <laughs>
0: Especially, like, going back to, like, some of those old Muppet Show episodes as well. That's a fascinating thing. If you want to see, like, the weird sort of, like, the cameo element of it, those are ones where, like, they just have weird people host, like, Mummenschance, which is, like, a troupe of mimes from, like, the 70s, did an episode of The Muppet Show. Great. It's like, you'll you'll have, like, that next to, like, Mark Hamill, like, right around the time (laughs) of, like, Empire Strikes Back, where Luke Skywalker and C-3PO R2-D2 and Chewbacca show up. That's a very funny episode. That's cool. Um, but, but yeah, um, you know, we haven't talked about the music here, which is uh, very cute. This right. is a musical. And this is Paul Williams returning uh, after he had collaborated with Jim Henson on, like, the Muppet movie and some other projects. And they brought him back to do songs for so this How do you feel about the songs? Oh,
1: I love the songs. Maybe because, like, the last one I watched was um, Muppets from Space, which is not a musical for some reason. No. Which yeah. is one of the many bad things about that movie, but, like,. <laughs> I I had forgotten that this was going to be a musical, basically, and like, like first of all, this movie is ninety minutes, even with the quote full length version. Right, still, we'll get
0: to that. This is a key part of like the song discussion. Right,
1: it's still ninety minutes, and uh, you know when the songs start, I'm like, oh my god, there's gonna be fucking songs in this too. It's and they're great. Um, I, I love the I forget their name. What are the the two old guys' names? <laughs> Sather Mulder. Sadler and Waldorf, yeah. I love their like their little song, which you talked about a little bit about. Like it's funny, but also still has that kind of darkly like macabre kind of edge to it that the story has. The the musical angle of like the Muppets is so interesting because like it is such a really important part of like my enjoyment of them is that these are musicals and I love just getting to see these like puppets to perform these really elaborate and like gorgeous like musical numbers. Um, they're just so like joyful. I, I really really love them.
0: Yeah, I think right from the start like I love Scrooge, the the opening number. Which is, like, that that clever wordplay that Paul Williams has in a lot of his songs, where it's, like, when a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone, but there's nothing in nature that makes your heart freeze, like, being alone, like, stuff like that. It's such, like, very bouncy melodies, but there's still, like, a bit of, like, what you're talking about, the kind of, um, the macabre angle of it, which is, like, the, um, (laughs) unkind as any, and the wrath of many. Like, I, like, also love the different performers sing, like, bits Like, it feels like just a Mm -hmm. huge group thing. And also even, like, the staging of that is amazing, where it's like you're at the height level of the Muppets, and you have um, Michael Caine walking around. And that's just, like, on a filmmaking level when you consider the fact that, like, all of those puppeteers are, like, on a stage that is, like, four feet off the ground, where they're, like performing underneath and michael King has to walk on like very thin walkways right. to be people to even accomplish that shot and if he like steps one inch too far to the right or left he like fucking falls so it's just like it's so like meticulous to get a shot like that but like we're especially like there's one shot where it's even just like him walking continuously to his office and there's like a huge row of like muppets singing alongside him It's like, it takes a lot to make that even work, but I love that opening number, I love the Marley and Marley number, it feels like Christmas, which is like a favorite Christmas song of mine in general. Oh, yeah. I just love that song, it's in the singing of a street corner choir, getting warm by the fire, and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, like, that song specifically, like, really kind of reminds, just has, it's that, the love of Christmas, like, I don't know, there's something about, like, I'm not really sick of Christmas music thankfully i I still really love christmas music and that song just kind of like really i don't know really just brings out that sort of feeling i mean feels like christmas but like that feeling of like the holidays that's so like i don't know so cozy and so comfortable i I love that song
0: it feels like warm cocoa truly like all the songs in this it has that kind of appeal like warm cocoa and i think that's it's why I think, you know, all the other people have written songs for the Muppets and done a great job. But I think Paul Williams just has that perfect mix of like what we're talking about that like, is so key to the Muppets. Of just kind of like that cleverness, that um, bit of like a wry sense of humor, but also a sincerity at the same time. Mm-hmm. That I think like makes him the perfect person to write for the Muppets. Even like in, I, I recently rewatched, it's uh, Letters to Santa, which was especially in like 2008. And they brought Williams back to do, like, songs for that one. Like, not a lot of great songs, not necessarily, like, my favorite special, but it has so much warmth when, like, they perform songs of his. To the point where I'm just like, do Piggy of the Paradise. Do it, cowards. (laughs) Let him do it, Disney. (laughs) Um, But we should talk about, of course, When Love is Gone, which is a weird kind of, like, thing with this movie where in the original, like, cut that was um, at least screened like in press screenings and stuff they had this song that appears during the Christmas Past segment where you see young Scrooge and young Belle his love interest um, do this song, uh, mainly she does the song their breakup song and her like leaving him and like being the true moment where like he becomes the miserly character which is a very key thing in most of the Christmas carols most of the better ones anyway um, but when this was screened for preview audiences, Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, was very vocally like, "The kids aren't going to be interested in this at all. They're not going to have any investment in like, this, this song has no Muppets in it. What the fuck is this shit? And Wait, so they that's cut what it. they
1: cut out?
0: <laughs> that's what they cut out. They cut out that entire song.
1: Oh, wow. And then,
0: um, but the weird thing is, it wasn't in the theatrical version, but it was on the initial home video releases. So when yeah. I was a kid... I grew up with, like, this song being a factor in, like, right. consistently, like, on my original VHS tape, and then when I, like, you know, would watch it on streaming or whatever, it's like, what? This is gone? What the fuck? how this, like, leave the movie? And so you could only see it for a while on, like, the full-screen version of the movie. Oh, sure. That would be on, like, the early DVD screens. That was, like, the last time it was made available. So then eventually, seemed like, oh, we're never going to be able to, like, restore this. They thought they'd lost the negatives until around 2020. They found it, and they were able to restore it. And they just put it on, on Disney Plus last year in its full form in the extra section. you got to really dig down. Yeah, to fucking find this full version of the movie, but it's restored in 4K widescreen, and uh, yeah, I think it's very key to like the story in general, but specifically this version of the movie, to have that element of it. Even though there aren't really any Muppets there, it still like keeps you immersed in like the actual arc of Scrooge, and Michael Caine gets to sing a bit more, and it feels very like earnest because he never sung before this movie. I think that adds to it because Scrooge kind of feels like somebody who doesn't sing often. And right. when he sings yeah. here, it feels like somebody who's <laughs> just getting used to the idea of singing again in his life.
1: Yeah, there's the there's that part where he starts to sing during that song, like towards the end, and it, like my heart was just like, oh my god! Like he like there's something about his performance in there where he's re- he like it it feels like the moment where he is like becoming a person. You know, yeah. like it's the moment where he is just like breaking down, and like just seeing Michael Caine like cry in the background is just like. I was, it like is so so heartbreaking and like yeah, it's a great song. I can't. Be- I was wondering what was cut out because it's only like two minutes from like indifference from the theatrical to the, the right. full length version. So I was wondering what
0: got got cut out. I I can't believe it was that. <laughs> In the version that most people can see on Disney Plus, it like cuts from her saying like, "Well, I guess you not knowing that is exactly why this isn't going to work out," and then she like. Walks off camera and then just cuts to like Rizzo and Gonzo, like crying, like on the sidelines.
1: Yeah, the joke doesn't even work if you don't have the song because, like, that's what they're, yeah, that's what they're crying to. This is, yeah. and that's not even like a joke really to me, it just feels We're, like it's a very yeah, honest, like, like Rizzo's crying about
0: this shit. It's sad, right. dude.
1: It, it, yeah, like, I, I love that moment because it is like they don't comment on it, it's not like Rizzo isn't like oh, it's so sad. You know, he doesn't say anything. It, it is just like, yeah, this is so sad and so beautiful and heartbreaking. He's crying and Gonzo's comforting
0: him like friends do. They're <laughs> bros. Yes. Yeah, just like Charles Dickens and a rat would do. <laughs> his, his pet rat Rizzo, which I consider canon. That's not in any biography of Charles Dickens, but I'm, I'm considering he had a pet rat named Rizzo who he treated like a bro <laughs> and had him wear like a little a red and yellow scarf. <laughs>
1: Top end. i love even like their little bits in between sort of you know the the scrooge stuff i think is really funny like the i mean we talked about the kiss which is great but like the joke that comes before the kiss where he's like jelly beans they were in my pocket the whole time <laughs> i think is great
0: him not knowing the bars that are great yeah the bars bit is so good or it's just like you could walk through those bars the whole time yeah you're such an idiot <laughs> they just move on. <laughs> or right. the bit where Rizzo ends up freezing is also great, and they has to like crack him like a popsicle. Just, I guess I should be thankful for that. You're welcome.
1: Yeah, and they don't overstay their welcome or anything. It's not like the movie grinds to a halt to like do more bits with Gonzo and and, and Rizzo. It is just like, yeah. you know, I-, I love it, and I love that they have to like. like physically follow the story i just love anytime they're on the windowsill like especially towards the end where they're like is it safe to be up here and then he just they get knocked down off of like the second floor or whatever um like just so many of those bits are are like great but don't overstay their welcome like i think a lot of other movies would and how easy i think it could be you know to just do like the Muppets, like, riffing on a Christmas carol or something, like, just making jokes on, like, the sides or something, but they don't, they don't do that here, and I think it's, that's, it's a really great decision.
0: How do you put some of these smaller Muppet characters kind of being utilized in here?
1: I like them, I like them, because, like, you know, it is, like, kind of what we were talking about, like, putting just the Muppet characters in, into a Christmas carol, it would be so easy to have them be, like, these much bigger roles because they're the Muppets, and, like, you know, we want to have them front and center. But I like how restrained a lot of the use is, um, even though some of it obviously comes from, like, the the Frank Oz uh, stuff that we were talking about earlier. Or even
0: just also, like, Jim Henson not being there, like, for example, Rolf right. not at all in this movie. And you notice he's not in, like, the 90s Muppet movies at all. Oh, Because right. he was, like... Sort of, like, the first Muppet to be big, because he was on, like, talk shows and stuff before even Kermit was. Sort of, the, the character that made the Empire the Muppets were kind of built on unofficially. And so, they kind of, like, restrained from using him that much. Um, and even, like, Swedish Chef's only there for, like, one bid and stuff like that. Some of these other characters. <laughs> yeah. But, at the same time, yeah, I like that, you know, even just having certain ones. Like, I love um, Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker as the guys asking for the donations. I think it's yeah. really solid use of them, too. Just like, uh, how much can I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, you want to be anonymous? And so, <laughs> that's really funny.
1: I cannot express how much I love um, his design. The uh, Is, is Beaker the scientist? Or is Beaker the... Well, uh,
0: Beaker's the meep guy. Okay. He's a bit taller. Bunsen Honeydew's the scientist guy. Bunsen Honeydew.
1: I love his design. I There's something about every time he pops up... I don't know what it is, but just the shape of his head and like his eyes—I don't know. The fact it's... that he doesn't have eyes is so great. Just has glasses, right? Yeah, it's, I don't know. There's something about his face. It's just so funny, and like I find him so like endearing. And he, they had a
0: song that was cut. They oh, ha- they really? had a song, and Sam Eagle had a song as well that was recorded. <laughs> you can hear them on the soundtrack, but they are not uh, oh, songs huh. in the actual movie. Um, which I get, cause like I don't know if those characters need songs necessarily. Sure, right. Uh, but they're very fun. You can you can hear them. They're, they're they're solid songs. But yeah, I like their use. I like the electric mayhem, at Fozzie's.
1: Yeah, I love Animal just kind of being there for like a second, and he's just like right up on the camera and like
0: and quiet <laughs> like yeah. that. And then also him like when they're actually playing, he's just is doing like the triangle, just like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she's like one two three and then, like go ham <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and i love i mean again this just part of the thing we're talking about of like this movie not, not trying to be kind of like subversive or edgy in any way where like they don't go into like a metal song or something or, like a huge rock song like they just play like a you know a jovial like song it, it's great and while we're on this section i love have i love the ways that they try to fit swedish fish swedish fish sorry i was eating swedish fish yesterday <laughs> <laughs> Burk you worky fish. Um, but I love the way that they try to fit him, like Swedish Chef, into it. Like I live in—I think it's in Treasure Island, where he shows up on on the island, and they they turn to the camera and they're like, "How else were we supposed to fit him into this movie?" <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> um, or even like, obviously, this is like a more central character, but I think this is the best use of Robin the Frog in any of these things. His oh. nephew is Tiny Tim. It's like it's, he's made. <laughs> play that particular character, he's, he's so adorable. <laughs> it's just like it's, the way he coughs; even is just like oh, so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. bless us all.
1: <laughs> yeah, his design is so great. Like uh, everything about, it, like just the way he's dressed and everything. But when when they like, it, it's during the future section when he's like passed away and like they just show his like his his like wa- his like crutch and his hat. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: That's one of those, the best Christmas carols know how to make that fucking line from present work so well, where it's just like, I see a crutch in a corner without an owner. Yeah, yeah. And they really make it, like, work, especially just seeing this, like, cute little fucking puppet frog. (laughs) Just... Like talking about like oh why we went to church and I everyone was so jovial and fun I can't wait for Christmas and I also love the detail of even like the um the other kids I'm Badina. <laughs> I'm <Bubba. laughs> like all that but even that like th- that's this weird thing has become so very prevalent especially in like the later Muppet movies about like Kermit and Piggy being a thing and how like right. it becomes like a even like the weird press thing which is, like are Kermit and Piggy together or are they not what's going on it's so a will they won't they eternally just like ah, man whatever i don't know we have to be this interested in these two fucking um but <laughs> i just love the detail just like all the the two boys are frogs the two girls are pigs that's yes. how we just get around that <laughs> element of it
1: yeah it's great and i i don't know their little interactions are great like we like the little like the what is it the, the nuts that she's eating is that is that what it was the chestnuts, yeah. yeah, that's great. Or uh, yeah, I love her just not knowing who's who because they just they look like pigs with hair, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> a, a great sort of side tier Muppets that I love are like the the ones who play like the the grave robbers that we see in future, especially that spider that's actually wearing like a big eight legged suit. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, kind of kind of creeped me out a little bit for a second where I was like, oh, it's it's a spider, but um yeah it's wearing a suit way more
0: scary it got tailored
1: that's the only thing scarier than spiders um i don't know how much i've talked about my severe arachnophobia on this on this podcast yet but um
0: i'm getting you a plush spider wearing a suit as a christmas (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: but i love that the, the that section like just all the designs of all those characters which i don't they're not like big muppet characters or anything in that scene right
0: No, they're very much background characters you'd see in, like, other productions, but, yeah, they're not, like, pivotal main people, necessarily.
1: Yeah, but it's a great use of of them in that section, of, of just using them in that one scene, and they're all very, like, just very memorable and very, like, fun.
0: Or even, like, the side pigs. I love, like, what them using these pigs as, like, British rich assholes. Yes. Like, the ones that are outside, like, I'm sure it'll be a cheap funeral. I will only go if lunch is provided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All those characters, like, I, I, lo- I particularly
1: love those. I'm glad you brought them up. Because, like, they're so, like, well-designed as, like, characters. Like, the, you know, mm-hmm. they don't, like, they're very distinctive from, like, Miss Piggy and, like, her, her and, and their children. <laughs> Um, but, like, they... I I love them. I think that it's such a great...
0: sideburns is a great touch in particular. They have those big, like, button-chop (laughs)
1: sideburns. Yes. Um, yeah. It's just the thing I'm talking about. I I talked about earlier of, like, you know, it would be easier to have... Like, it would be kind of easy to just be like, oh, those can be humans. But I love that they incorporate the more Muppet characters into, like, secondary and tertiary and just, like, background characters. Like, it... Yeah. It's just such a great, like... And all of these movies do that, of course, but, like, it's great in this version because, like, it's a great, like, balance, like we were talking about earlier, of, like, the Muppet stuff and the earnestness of, like, the story.
0: Like, even something as, like, like a bean bunny, who's that little bunny character, who, like, is, like, truly one of the most cloying characters in, like, Muppet-era stuff, like, this particular era. Just kind of, like, a very cutesy-for-cutesy-sake kind of character. He, this is one of the better uses of him, nothing else for just... Like, he feels earnestly like, oh, he's that kid who has to be like the, you boy, what day is this? You there, this? boy. <laughs> My favorite thing. Yeah, I love it so. You boy, what day is this? Why is Christmas day, sir? Oh, what a clever child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know the, the shop down the street with the goose? The one twice as big as me, sir? Which, for the record, for being bunny, not a big turkey. If it's twice as big as Bean Bunny. <laughs> that's true. When it is like a
1: human child, it, you are like, oh my god, that's a huge turkey. But it is like, yeah, he's a, he's a tiny little bunny.
0: <laughs> right. They utilize him well there, or even like just that one shot where like he's just shivering inside of <laughs> <That's a> like <laughs> a newspaper or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> there's something about like just the way that they, the Muppets use like the tiny characters, like, like, like Tiny Tim, right? Like just the small characters where you're just like, they're so fucking cute where you just you can't help it you can't help it
0: <laughs> yeah and even like a Rizzo, who on paper should be like the ugliest thing possible adorable character yeah <laughs> like i love that bit where um i think it's during like the one more sleep till christmas where like he gets thrown to the barrel and then gonzo looks down he's just like got his arms on his sides and he's like <laughs> tapping his foot it's like such a cute funny shot
1: i love when he's getting chased around by the cat And he just goes, I'm from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, is one of those, like, fourth wall breaking moments, but it's so, like, random and just funny that, like, it just makes me laugh. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And meanwhile, like I said, while all this is going on, Kane is so committed. Yeah. It's interesting watching this now when, like, he recently announced his retirement. Right, yeah. Despite, you know, Kane being, like, kind of infamous after a certain point for being, like, a guy who would do anything for a paycheck. Yeah, that's after true. a certain point. Like, his great line about Jaws of the Revenge, where it's just like, I haven't seen Jaws of the Revenge, but I've seen the house it paid for, and it's quite lovely. <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one of his better performances, I would honestly say. Which is saying a lot. Because he's done a lot of great stuff. But I think, especially of, like, the sort of, you know, 90s onward period, it feels like he's right. genuinely just invested in, in, like, every little bit of it. Even when he is doing, the, like, the, you boy, what day is this? And stuff like that he feels like he's just genuinely a reformed person at that point.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the real magic of, like, the A Christmas Carol story for me is that part when he wakes up and is, like, a new person. And he's like, I feel light as a feather, merry as a schoolboy, like, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I where, didn't like, miss it. Oh I did yeah, this it's yeah. it's so like key to like the Scrooge performance because like he genuinely feels like yeah changed and like when he sings the song at the end it's just one of the most joyful things i've ever seen
0: <laughs> He feels so genuinely invested as, like you go along this journey even like earlier on when he sees like his schoolboy days Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, look, there's Joe and Bob, all my friends. And then the first bit that crushes my soul is when he looks at himself inside the schoolhouse. And the ghost Christmas Past is like, let's see another Christmas. He's like, they're all very much the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Soul crushing. And then going even like when he, the Christmas future stuff happens and he has to do like the most typical thing of just like these images of what has to be or what can change. Can I change it? And stuff like that, he feels genuinely invested that whole time.
1: Yeah, but I what I like about this, and, and like, I'm, I I keep comparing it to the, the Jim Carrey one, but it's just because it's fresh in my mind.
0: Right, the other great Christmas Carol <laughs> adaptation that you've seen. Yeah.
1: yeah, but like, it also doesn't feel as like, like, especially the pat the last bit where he's at the cemetery, doesn't feel as like, really heavy handed and really like, I don't know, uh, cloying yeah yeah it doesn't feel like too much it's just enough where he is like it feels like a genuine like plea where he's just like like please let me like change this i'm a i'm a changed man like it's it's really great it's i love that section
0: and especially in like other christmas carols like in worser ones it's hard to make that change feel real because obviously like there's you know this concept of, like, oh, after one night of seeing all these visions, you can, like, change. It's obviously, like, so hard to convey for, like, a lot of actors to do. Like, even in A Christmas Carol, I think my biggest problem with Jim Carrey's Scrooge is that he feels constantly like he's doing a bit. And there's not yeah really that much of, like, that earnestness in it. Versus, like, I truly feel like this version of Scrooge is, like, a changed man by the end of this when He's going around doing the thankful heart thing. And he's, like, giving gifts to everybody and getting the goose and all that other stuff. Even though, once again, Michael Caine isn't the most talented dancer or singer, like, in that (laughs) bit or in um, It Feels Like Christmas. He's just doing the thing with his hands, like, (laughs) that's all he's doing. Which, be fair, that's all he really can do with all these fucking puppets around. That's That's all you can really move without, like, fucking fall on (laughs) four feet to your death or whatever.
1: Another, like, thing I love about, like, that, that section of, like, when he wakes up... And is like a new person is doing all these kind things that I think is the part that really makes me sob in the story the most (laughs) because like it, like just the idea of like, yeah, the, the changed man, but also him like doing all of these nice things and everyone being like kind of weirded out by it and very surprised by it. Like it just is so, I don't know. It gets me really emotional, but I love the, when he goes to visit Bob Cratchit and he's like, he's doing his like bit where he's like, Bob Cratchit, you were not at work today. Like, that kind of thing. And, like, pretending to still be, like, you know, the, the like, humbug kind of.
0: Right. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise your salary. Which I love also the contrast of, like, that's where Piggy gets to shine. Yes. just like, oh, I'm going to tell him something right now. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. But uh, that, that moment is so great. It, it's one of my favorite moments in, in just A Christmas Carol. It's so emotional every single time.
0: I love even that, like, all the other Muppets forms a giant brigade of people to, like, have this Christmas. Where, yeah. Like, everybody joins up with him, and, like, Beaker has, like, the little thing full of, uh, like, drinks that he comes in with. <laughs> um, oh, that's another such a cute moment where Beaker gives him his scarf. Oh, the scarf. Like, but we have no gift for you. And he's just like, me, And then he gives. Him <sighs> so and Michael, adorable.
1: and, like, you know, like, talking about Michael Kane like, selling the sort of, like, earnest drama of that. Like, that moment where he's just like. For me, like he, it feels like he's like it's someone like the first time anyone has ever done something nice for him because he's like, you know, be Scrooge. Grassley. Yeah, <laughs> it's so like beautiful and like human. Which, yeah, like he just sells all of those moments so well.
0: <laughs> and I love that he's able to keep you that immersed, even for like. There's one bit of this that technically kind of breaks the immersiveness of this movie, where they do at the very end of it feels like Christmas, where they do the big crane shot. And right. You can see the fact that, like, all of these buildings are Muppet-sized, even though there are humans walking around. <laughs> so it feels just like, I don't know how you guys are going to get into any of these fucking doors that these Muppets are getting into. And But at the same time, like, you don't give a shit because you're that invested in, like, he's feeling the f- warmth of Christmas for the first time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, he can't fit through that fucking door where that, I don't know, pig is going to go through <laughs> or whatever.
1: And just the, I mean, but the design, like, I mentioned earlier the design of, like, the London that they've built, and I just love how, like, angular it is, and how, like, kind of, you yeah. know, it, all of that stuff, all the angles and everything, like, it, it has, like, just a very unique feeling, even though, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, yeah, bits like that that I, I love.
0: And also, shout out, along with, like, the, we've mentioned the production design being so great, the costumes in this movie oh, are right. phenomenal. And yeah. All, from Muppet or human? <laughs> perfect costumes for everybody it all feels like of a piece a big thing i always love in a christmas carol adaptation is the look of scrooge in his pajamas is like Mm -hmm. crucial you got to have like the little cap that he has (laughs) yes and then his like and his little robe that he has on over his pajamas i think it's like it's a perfect christmas fit for him it feels like it feels like an outfit like i would want to wear on christmas morning when like, I wake up, and up in open presents, I want to be in that outfit. <laughs>
1: yeah. The robe he has is, like, really... Like, I want that robe. Like, it's like yeah. the... I don't know, it's like a reddish, like, maroonish color maybe. I love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but it, it works even also for, like, all our little Muppet characters with their little scarves and their little jackets. Yeah. It works really well with all the other human characters. Like even, We haven't mentioned much about Fred, uh, his nephew. Um, right. And stuff like that. But I, th- I think they even work as, like, those are, like, side characters who don't necessarily, like, need to fit amongst the Muppets, but that bit where, like, they go to Christmas present and there's just Fred's party, where there are, like, mm-hmm. weird toad people and also, like, his wife <laughs> yeah, just doing right. a, a party game and It feels like, no, there's no, this is a world where Muppets just exist and it's like, fine.
1: I mean, yeah, that's my favorite thing about all of these movies is how, like... No one addresses that they're Muppets, right? Like, they just act like they're normal people, which I th- it's great. It's a great sort of, like, just conceit of, like, we're not going to address it. They're just, they live together. Like, that's it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, before we uh, sort of get to final thoughts and stuff, because we head out of here, I'm curious. As someone who's a bit newer, a convert to the Muppets, this is a thing that, like, any Muppet fan talks about, like, all the time, especially a modern Disney era, Mm-hmm. where it feels like they don't know what to do with the Muppets do you feel there's a place still for the Muppets? Do you feel like they still have something to provide to the world even though they're, you know not as prolific as they once were? Do you feel like there's? A, do you feel like the world can still embrace the Muppets and if so, do you have any idea of how they could possibly do that?
1: I, I absolutely do. I, I mean I think like, as someone who has like kind of just recently sort of gotten into them and like really enjoyed like all the Muppets movies, like it kind of does make me sad that, like, we haven't gotten... I mean, next year, it'll be a decade since the last Muppet movie, which is, like, very upsetting because I think, like... It sounds very, like, cliche, but, like, I think the what the Muppets do is, like, they put on a show and they entertain. Yeah, it feels like Disney doesn't want to do anything with them, and it feels like that's such a thing where, like you know, Disney's just like, oh, we can't do anything kind of subversive or interesting with these characters really in the way that they want to, maybe. I I don't think they should be kind of updated in that modern way, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of like all the fourth wall breaking and all that stuff that we kind of talk about. Like, I I think the Muppets work best when they're just like this, right? It's just a straight up like earnest story or earnest like entertainment. I would love to see them make a new Muppet movie. Like, I, I'm really, like, I, I don't know what they could do with a, with a for the plot. Like, I feel like the 2011 Muppets kind of, for better and worse, kind of was a great way to do a legacy sequel of, like, the Muppets.
0: Arguably kind of created the modern legacy sequel. Oh,
1: right, exactly. Place, yeah. <laughs> right. I think it's so easy to do something like that. I think the... Like, Muppets Most Wanted is kind of a cautionary tale of, like, how you can go too far with, like, celebrity cameos and just doing too much. Um, But I would love to see, like, a new Muppet movie and get, like, new, like, celebrities in there. Like, I don't know, I would love to see, like, Timothy Chalamet hanging out with... Gonzo or something like I don't know give me some of that they're not like, that think... far
0: off from each other to be fair like there was that joke that was going around when the first pictures for Wonka came out that Gonzo looks kind of like Timothy Chalamet in <laughs> Actually does. he really does yeah I think the problem is like I don't know as much as I love the Muppets in movies I kind of feel like you know if we're going to do movies at all I think the way to go is to kind of do this thing again of like Muppets in a classic story like one that mm. I constantly hear like people pitch them kind of for is like Muppet Dracula, I think would be dope. Where you yes. get, like, a guy to play Dracula, and then you get, like, some celebrity. Like, I don't know, like, Oscar Isaac right. plays Dracula or something. Yeah, And then you have the Muppets around them. Like, this, and I think that would work for, like, a Disney Plus especially. Because they kind of right. did that with, like, the Haunted Mansion special they did a couple of years ago, which was fun. I think it was, okay. like, a cute thing. At the same time, I think the better thing to do with them is, a lot of people have said this, and I agree with it, do, like, another Muppet show. Or you just right. have, like episodes and you just have like a celebrity guest come on like have timmy be on that
1: yeah have zendaya be with the muppets like come on that's like i i think you know i I don't know like if the general public would care about that but i think like it's it would be great to see like a lot of these like newer the newer newer younger actors that we have like be in a muppets thing especially because like like we were talking about with kane like i think it's really great to see actors like try to act alongside muppets and i think it's a really great showcase for like just actors and comedians and stuff like that
0: right though i think the danger also at the same time is like something that i think going back to the muppets uh 2011 is kind of problem is like now you have people who are like too big a fan of the muppets who like grew up with them and so there's that weird giddiness that they kind of have like i'm in a muppet thing instead of like no you have to like treat this Seriously, that's kind of my problem with like, I like Jason Siegel, but he feels just kind of like, I'm in a Muppet thing, and this is great. As opposed to like actually treating whatever drama of it seriously, which I think Amy Adams does a better job of, honestly, in The Muppets. Yeah. Because it's just like, you can't keep hanging out with your brother. We should be <laughs> in a relationship. Your brother, who's a fucking four foot tall Muppet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, to be clear, I I love Jason Siegel, and I
0: will. I like him generally too. I, I yeah. will
1: not speak ill of him. <laughs> But, um, no, I, I know what you're saying, though, and I think, like, but that would be interesting to see, like, well, what, like, celebrities who are popular now could be in a good, like, Muppet movie? Like, that is, like, it would be a fun sort of thing to see. And like, I agree with you, like, yeah, make a Muppet show. Why not? And have them be on that, because, like, Lord knows Disney has, like, the money and the cachet to be like, hey... Tom Hiddleston, come be in this since you're in Loki or something. Oh, like you yeah. know what? Yeah, I mean yeah. He, he's in Muppets Most Wanted, but like you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> right, one of ten thousand celebrity cameos in Muppets Most Wanted.
1: <laughs> yeah, which again, like that's kind of the the a very you know a cautionary tale of like that's how that can go too bad. We're just like you blink and there's a new celebrity on screen. <laughs> <laughs> right, like that's what like I don't want at all. Like I don't think I think it should be something like. You know, even in the 2011 Muppets, like, there are a lot of celebrity cameos, but I love, like, I think Rashida Jones is so great in that movie, where she just has just so much contempt for the Muppets. <laughs> and, like, it's so great at performing that.
0: Or even, in, like, in the original Muppet movie, they have celebrity cameos, but they, like, let them breathe and actually do, like, a scene. Right. Instead of, like, they're here, sh- shove them in the fucking camera and <laughs> right, get them right, out of here right. immediately, because they have, like, five minutes to be on the set or whatever. Yeah. I think, like, the probably the best exam for me in The Muppets is probably Jack Black. Exactly. Is, like, the, Perfect. That whole bit of it just being, like, he's forced to be on here. <laughs>
1: right, and, like, especially because, like, you see him early on with, like, Animal, and you're like, oh, great, Jack Black is in this. And then it's a great callback when they kidnap him. <laughs> it's a very kind of delicate sort of decision of, like, getting, like, who do you, like, what celebrity can be in The Muppets. It's, it's a very interesting sort of process
0: <laughs> so i think another key is less a celebrity and more of like an actual actor because that was also kind of my problem with um the the muppets mayhem thing it's like their main character that they anchored it around the human character was that late lily singh
1: oh the the youtuber
0: yeah 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 I mean, oh. like the weird talk show and stuff
1: i don't want them to have like tiktokers on in the muppets like it would be great to see kind of just like what sort of who's popular right now that we could get to be in the muppets
0: like i don't know you know who'd be a dream is like tom hardy tom hardy feels perfect. Like be perfect exactly right and he like, feels like he'd be like a silly weirdo alongside the muppets yeah it, it's that kind of yeah. thing where it's just that sort of makes me want to get like have a new muppets movie it's a trouble of, like, Disney doesn't want to do anything with them because they can't be, like, a major franchise. Like, this was what right. was, was going around. There was a dumb tweet that went around. Shockingly. A dumb tweet went around. What? After. On Twitter.com? No. On X? Never. Um, <laughs> where someone was like, well, the Muppets can't be a major franchise. Like, Disney wants them to. So I don't think there's really any place for them anymore. Which I you think is bullshit? I think it's just more a problem. like, Disney is too majorly focused. On, like, it has to be a Marvel. It has to be... right you know, something massive and major or else it doesn't matter to us. As opposed to like the Muppets work so well as like weird small, like mid budget kind of things. Like this movie only cost about like twelve million dollars to make. And like ninety two money. <sighs> wow. Which appears here is like twenty or so, but still Disney would be like, that's too little. Right. We need to have a massive extravagance honestly the thing I keep dreaming of, this was like the unmade Muppet thing I hope they do at some point, is this movie that Jerry Jewell before he passed away had pitched with, like, Jim Henson before he passed away as well, of, like, the cheapest Muppet movie ever, where the (laughs) premise of it was the Muppets were making a movie, and Kermit put Gonzo in charge as a producer, and he blows the entire budget on the opening credits sequence. So as the movie goes along, it gets cheaper and cheaper (laughs) to where, like, by the end of it, like, cardboard sets are being used (laughs) and shit. That's, like, a clever fourth wall-breaking thing. Right, Yeah. That sounds great, I would love to see that I do hope the Muppets keep chugging along If nothing else, just to keep puppetry as a thing alive Right, yeah mainstream stuff. And you just keep some of these people employed Like, a big shout out amongst like all these performers That we haven't mentioned Dave Goals, who has played Gonzo Since, like, the 70s He's, like, the one main guy that's still around Since from the Jim Henson days Oh, cool As long as, like, him and some of these other great performers That are still doing stuff Get to be puppety and whatnot. I just I just hope that keeps going, even if it's on, you know, dumb TikToks or whatever. <laughs> as long as I get paid. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, let's uh, wrap up here. Let's do our final thoughts. Brian? Yeah. So, I loved this movie. It's the last one I watched of
1: all of these Muppet movies, and it feels like a great sort of uh, wrap-up, because I think this is the best Muppet movie That they've made it's my favorite one i think that a lot of that is because of just the christmas vibe i i love just movies set during christmas i love just living in you know as again like you said earlier like as someone who grew up in florida like i've never seen snow so anytime i see just like a snowy christmas it it just is so cozy and comfy just the idea of putting the muppets in a christmas carol and telling that story both with the silliness and goofiness of the Muppets that we all, like, love, but still carrying the really earnest nature of the story and telling it earnestly. Telling it, like, you know, it's not a, an edgy, subversive, like, Christmas carol or anything. It, it's saying your daddy's Christmas carol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But, just, yeah, the way that it, it is a mixture of these actors who have incredible gravitas, like Michael Caine, m- with, like, Gonzo. <laughs> the great Gonzo. And, you know... You respect his
0: fucking title.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a really, like, beautiful movie as well. Like, from, I think, the, the perspective of, like, yeah, just the puppetry, just the design of all these characters, the sort of movie magic angle of it all... It's just such a beautiful movie. I don't know. It got me so emotional because of, which is weird to say, for a Muppet Christmas movie, like, it feels kind of a weird thing to to think of, but I, I just was sobbing during this thing. It there's, It's a beautiful movie. I love it. I'm, it's going to be a yearly Christmas watch for me
0: from now on. Like, I just, I love it. I'm so happy that I could make this a part of your Christmas tradition, that I can make this... Like, truly, this feels like my Christmas carol story here. Brian has become... (laughs) He's a changed man. He just woke up out of his bed and said, Oh, I didn't miss the recording. I I can tell, Thomas. (laughs) I really... I
1: I mean, I am. I have, like, really fallen in love with, like, the Muppets as characters while I've been watching all of these movies. And, like, it, it... I don't know. Something about, like, the Muppets, along with just Christmas, have that sort of childhood just remind me of like childhood and just that that childhood like whimsy and like just i don't know there's something about it that i just am really i, I love it and i just i love the muppets as characters
0: so great that i can convert another into the muppet cult <laughs> uh now you can check muppet wiki obsessively like i did when i was younger <laughs> like oh that's what that muppet's name is oh i can't believe it wow let's play his name who performed them? <laughs> oh wow jerry nelson that's great. <laughs> I obviously, like, I love this from childhood, and I was definitely kind of, you know, worried about, you know, w- with a lot of things from my childhood, there is, like, that sort of averseness to a nostalgia I have because of just our sure. modern society. that gets, like, so obsessed with, like, something from my childhood is always great, therefore there's no problem with it. And obviously, the Muppets are immune to that, as I mentioned with, like, Muppets from space. they're They're susceptible to some of that like, oh, this isn't aged burial necessarily, but like, this one and the uh, three Henson-produced ones truly Mm -hmm. feel timeless. Yeah. In a way, because, yeah, it feels like they can really, like, still watch this years down the line. You can show this to, like, younger children. They would love it. Yeah, Christmas Carol just feels like, it is also, I think, the best thing post-Henson that they did. A shame Mm -hmm. that it's, like, the thing they literally did right after Henson, but um, yeah, it it definitely at least proves to me that like these characters can live on past the guy who created them, even past a couple of the great people who performed them, like with Henson and Richard Hunt. That like these characters still have like a value, and they still is like there's still something you can actually do with them that isn't, you know, just like I said, kind of putting them in a fucking closet like Disney has currently. Right. That there there still is a lot of like impact on them, especially like in this case where they're using doing a classic story. And they have, like, a great anchor with Michael Caine, who treats the story, like, genuinely seriously as, like, all these antics are going on. And it just also it's just a, a very well-made movie in general. Like, Ryan Henson, mm-hmm. like I said, just does such a great job with this. It is such a bummer. Still, I can't emphasize enough how, like, one of the most disappointing things in, in my life was the Happy Time Murders, which <sighs> is his most recent Directorial you know,
1: I was gonna mention it earlier, and I, I I decided against it out of respect. But
0: yeah, that movie
1: is awful. <laughs> I mean, like abysmal, terrible truly life. atrocious, and is god weird awful. Because like, it should be interesting. Because like, it's you know, it's what we talked about, like the puppetry and kind of that that sort of angle to it. It'd be it's interesting to sort of bring that into a modern audience. But good lord, that movie is so unfunny and so.
0: Awfully written. The end credits are like them showing you behind-the-scenes stuff. And that right. makes me just angrier at how terrible this fucking movie is, because so many <laughs> people worked so hard to make this fucking work to yeah. any degree. And it's still is like, shit. Yeah. I mean, I, this is another reason why I'm
1: glad that we're doing this, because I had only seen that movie... I had seen that that movie in theaters before I ever Oof. saw any Muppets stuff, because I was just like, I'll watch, I'll watch anything that's in theaters or whatever. And, yeah, I'm glad that I have now watched, like, Muppet Treasure Island and Christmas Carol, because I-, I did not want that to be my only knowledge of Brian Henson's, like, directing career, because this and Treasure Island proved that he's a great director and can, can do really interesting stuff with, like, puppetry and, and these characters and everything.
0: Yeah, well, in all respect to him, though, for at least trying to keep the Jim Henson company alive. Sure, and doing, like, yeah. whatever puppet stuff he can do, even if it is fucking Happy Time Murders. Jesus Christ, Brian. <laughs> But um, not this Brian, other Brian. That's where you were more offended, just like a Brian would have made that.
1: That's true. And his name is spelled differently than mine. Mine's with a Y, his is
0: with an I, so... True, like, he has the Normie spelling, not the cool That's spelling. That's true. With the Y, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol, I think it's genuinely great. It's one of my favorite Muppet movies, one of my favorite Christmas Carol adaptations, one of my favorite Michael Caine performances. I just think, yeah, it's a phenomenal movie from, like... Not just the fact that it has Muppets in it, but the way that it utilizes those characters and the way that it puts them in this incredibly immersive world, the way that, like I mentioned, just the filmmaking on something like the shot I mentioned a while ago, but Kermit and Robin, the way that that shot is done, like where they're walking on the street, is like the background is superimposed, and they're on like a little barrel that has like little snow stuff on it. So that's how they're able to like... Do like that, And there's somebody performing like as Kermit's legs and there's somebody doing like, you know, his face and then Kermit and then Robin as well. And that's just like, that's true movie magic shit. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really get that much anymore. Even like I said, the modern, the modern Muppet projects, that little element of like, this is before CG is a big thing. And there's still like compositing and there's green screen, but it's like all like immersed perfectly together. And just the way that everything is like backlit. In a way that makes it all feel consistent, no matter how weird the character is and whatnot, it just feels like so perfectly put together. In a way that, yeah, it's a true Christmas classic and just a, a great fucking movie that makes you feel like Christmas. God, for so sure. Great. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and get into our weekly segment, between the lines. So Between the Lines is a segment where every episode, Brian and I recommend, you know, a film related to uh, the movie that we're talking about. You know, it could be an alternate choice for like the M for Masterpiece for Disney, or it could be just something kind of related to some degree to uh, the current movie we're talking about. And Brian, you're going first. What's your uh, pick for Between the Lines? Yeah, um, I'm going to recommend a movie that we've talked about. We, we had a
1: conversation kind of recently where I was... I was like, I'm going to watch this movie, I think. Um, And especially with all of the kind of comic book movie and superhero talk that we did with our Guardians of the Galaxy episode a couple weeks ago, um, I decided to recommend a movie from 1991, The Rocketeer, which is a movie directed by Joe Johnston, who, of course, would go on to, you know, make a Captain America movie, one of the best Marvel movies, in my opinion. But he also made, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Jumanji and... Jurassic Park 3, et cetera, et cetera. But what I think is so interesting about this movie, and it's a, a very sort of, in a way, by the numbers, kind of origin story for a comic book hero in a lot of ways. I think it really sets the template for a lot of what Marvel kind of does in the MCU. Like, there is just, watching this, you feel so much of what they end up doing. It's, in case you don't know, it is, it's set in... The, the 20s, I believe, or the 20s or the 30s. Um, and it is this this guy, this average guy who is working as a pilot and he gets embroiled in this conspiracy involving Nazis and Howard Hughes and a jetpack and he, he becomes the rocketeer. Jennifer Connelly is in it. Alan Arkin has a fantastic supporting role in this. Like, r- RIP. He's... Really incredible in this movie,
0: curmudgeon legends. Oh yeah, Alan Arkin. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Timothy Dalton is the villain who is really great as well. A thing I think is so interesting is that Jennifer Connolly got to act with James Bond and David Bowie in like you know the span mm-hmm. of a few years, which is crazy. um And yeah, I mean, so much of the energy of modern comic book movies, I think, is in the Rocketeer. Like, I, I watched it you know, about a week ago, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this could have been, you know, despite a lot of the visual effects being very dated, I think it could have been made today. Like, there's there's so much about it that feels very modern, um, but with a lot of that sort of classic comic book energy in, you know, the design of everything, it's very sort of retro-futuristic in a certain way. It's a very earnest story, so like, again, none of that jokiness that we get in a lot of modern comic book movies. It's just a really well-directed movie as well. Like just from the very first shot, which is like the title card and those like, those like doors opening. You're yeah. just like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, you know, it's that thing that like, um I think, I think it was Greta Gerwig recently was just like within five minutes of watching a movie. You can tell if you're watching like a, a real movie by a real director. Yeah. It's an incredibly well-directed movie. It's so fun and entertaining in a way that a lot of these movies have forgotten how to be. Yeah. It's a really great movie. It's got one of the great movie posters of all time as well. Just incredible artwork. I could like, I'm looking at it right now. I could stare at it for like hours. Yeah. The Rocketeer. You, you like this movie, right, Thomas?
0: Hell yeah. This is a great movie. Love the Rocketeer. Yeah. it feels definitely like, it's a weird thing where I agree with you that it could be made today. It's a question of would anybody <laughs> well, actually make it today? Exactly. Because the sad <laughs> thing is the, the, the closest Joe Johnson has gotten to make a movie like this again is Captain America The First Avenger. Right, which, which is like very the, similar to that movie in, in some ways. Yeah, the aesthetics of it and whatnot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just honestly think like this movie is nearly perfect, and my only problem with it, and it's not a huge problem, everyone in the cast is so good it makes poor Billy Campbell, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> kind of look lesser by comparison. Which, no yeah. offense, I think he's decent in the moving, but at the same time, you kind of wish you would have somebody like a Bruce Campbell, sure, or, um, or even my pick, uh, who I think would be perfect, especially like you know, blue collar stunt pilot guy from this time, R.I.P. Bill Paxton, I absolutely be, like, the perfect fucking choice. Still, Billy Campbell's solid. He's, he's all right at all, but. Yeah. Right. But everything around him is still so goddamn great. Like some something you didn't mention, another R.I.P., James Horner's score for the Rocketeer. Oh my so gosh. so fucking great. Yeah. It's like the perfect score for like this thirties kind of adventure serial kind of thing that's going for. Um, but yeah, so many great moments, like I l I I can't emphasize enough how much I love the bit where like they have the FBI and the mob <laughs> converging. And then Paul Servino, when he <laughs> realize, yeah. like, oh, wait, I've been working for a Nazi? Look, I'm a red-blooded American. And then the bomb and the FBI are shooting at Nazi Timothy Dalton. It's like, hell yeah. This is great. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great.
1: It's a fan. Yeah, Paul Servino as well, who is, like, really great in this movie. Yes. Uh, um. Yeah, and has that sort of, like kind of Indiana Jones type of, like, vibe to it in terms of, like, it being, like, a an adventure, a real adventure. Yes. But, yeah, it, it's a incredibly fun movie. I would recommend it to anyone who is, like, a bit tired with, you know, obviously these modern comic book movies, but also, like, I, I love a classic origin story, and it feels like the ones that we do get now are kind of bad, and it feels like they're not really interested in doing origin stories in this kind of classical way because it feels like oh well we know these tropes we know all this stuff and it's it's just great to get a movie that is so earnest about the way that it's telling the story which
0: yeah it's why i love that movie it's a great movie which is especially interesting given it's based on like a comic that only came out in like the 80s it's not based on like a classic right. comic right huh. degree. this was already like retro futuristic from like 10 years prior when the source was right came out. But it's just a weird thing I discovered like fairly recently is there's the only sort of thing Disney has done since this came out is there's a Disney Jr. cartoon <laughs> that okay. like follows a little seven year old girl who's like the great granddaughter of the Cliff character who is now like the Rocketeer. Huh. She's weird. That's a thing that exists. There's a Disney Junior show. Yeah,
1: I don't know what kids are just like, yeah, the Rocketeer. Let's watch the the sequel TV show.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't think... (laughs) The animated series sequel. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. (laughs) Very weird. Well, now, I'm going to go ahead and do my recommendation. You know what? This episode's coming out right before the Christmas holiday. Happy holidays to everybody. We haven't really mentioned it yet. But you know what? I am so generous and in the festive holiday spirit that I'm technically going to be recommending two things. That's right. Oh my. I'm breaking the rules. Uh, Mainly because the two things I'm recommending aren't films as much as TV specials that are Christmas themed and uh, are Jim Henson related productions. Uh, I'm going to be recommending two specials that are perfect for the holiday season, especially if you haven't seen any of them. Um, It's going to be uh, the first one is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas which was a special from 1977 uh, that is directed by Jim Hansen and is an adaptation of a children's book and basically the premise is we follow um, this little family unit of a mother otter and uh, her little boy Emmett and uh, in this uh, particular tale uh, they are a poor family that lives in uh, this kind of like seaside town um, where they... You know, they take odd jobs in order to make ends meet and they don't have a lot to give for Christmas. But the big thing that's going to happen is there's a big uh, talent show where the big reward is $50, which oh. um, the mother and Emmett decide to enter because they do have hobbies as musicians. Uh, Ma can sing and Emmett has his friend's uh, little jug band, the titular jug band. Emmett's like, oh, you know if I enter this, then I can uh, get Ma a nice dress, and then Ma is like, "Oh, if I can win this, then Emmett can get his that sweet little guitar that has the pearl inlay that's in oh. the little shop, oh. and it's such a cute little special." That's basically just about this, where it's like, "Oh, we have to like you know they, they will have to sacrifice some things in order to be able to enter in and like to like potentially win the talent show, and uh, it's there's not a lot of you know." Conflict beyond there's the evil group in town, the uh, River Bottom Nightmare Band, which is like a band that has like a bear and a lizard <laughs> and a frog, who are like they they're uh, the 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 rock bands that's gonna come in and like potentially like oh could they potentially win it instead of Ma and Emmett <laughs> and it's such a cute little special it's so sweet it's on Amazon Prime it's so great but then the other thing I have to recommend more Muppety themed is A Muppet Family Christmas, which is a special from 1987 uh, that's one of the last Jim Henson related things as well that he did. And basically the premise of this is even more conflictless in terms of the huge span of Muppet stuff where it's like the Muppets are going to Fozzie's mom's house for Christmas. It's the plot. They all go over to Fozzie's (laughs) which I love the opening of it, like they're all gonna be like, Oh, we're gonna surprise Fozzie's mom who doesn't know about this and she's all alone on Christmas and meanwhile, she's literally like, oh, man, I can't wait to go to California for Christmas. It's going to be surfing. It's going to be great. And then everybody comes in. Um, and it's a very sweet special of just, like, all the Muppets hanging out. But the big reason why I would recommend this to anybody and why it might be a bit hard to find, there's a lot of versions on YouTube as of when we're recording this. But it's a special where it's not just the Muppets, maybe. Because you know who comes Carolyn in and starts hanging out with everybody? The Sesame Street character. Yeah and then oh you know who's uh in the little like basement there's a hole and guess what kermit goes over into fraggle rock (laughs) land that's right it's the biggest crossover event uh truly more inspired than avengers endgame the greatest crossover event
1: eat shit russo brothers (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah this <laughs> thing actually looks colorful not gray and sludgy um but yeah it's just it's especially for like all the muppets like hang out together the most conflict there is is like Miss Piggy she's at a like a big shoot for like uh you know like a big magazine cover of course of course because you know she's the star as yes. all know. and she, she tries to make it back over to the Fozzie's mom's house but oh no it's a snowstorm outside Will she be able to get in there in time for Christmas? That's, like, the most conflict there is. It's very sweet. It's very, once again, earnest and sincere. A lot of great just, like, the Muppets hanging out together, especially the Sesame Street characters and the Muppet characters crossing over. There's a whole subplot where Swedish chef is trying to make the Christmas dinner. And who's there? Big Bird? Oh, no. Is he gonna cook Big Bird? suppose He doesn't cook Big Bird. But the bird. Bird, 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 bird. that's and it's such a the way that that resolves is so sweet it's So, it's, like literally big bird just comes over and it's just like oh you know I thought because you're Swedish you're not you don't have your family around so I got you a present and he's like new cooking equipment it's so sweet and they sing chestnuts roasting on an open fire it's it's so heartwarming though both those specials are only about 50 minutes long each. So it that makes about a whole feature film. That's why I'm recommending them both necessarily here. Uh, but yeah, they're two of my favorite pieces of Muppet stuff in general, especially they aren't movies technically. Uh, but they're two great specials, especially for the holiday seasons. They're great to like crowd around the living room with your family. Great family entertainment to watch both of those.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not dived into any of the sort of specials or any of that stuff, but I, I'm, I'm particularly kind of interested in in those two because of like yeah just falling in love with the muppets and like i just yeah want to see more of this like cool these cool characters and the the interesting puppetry and i'm definitely going to check out the christmas special that sounds that sounds great (laughs) especially because i i i mostly grew up with like the sesame street characters of course so yeah be curious to visit that. bert and
0: ernie do a little performance of twist night before christmas it's very cute (laughs) (sighs) <sighs>
1: great sounds great
0: like i said there's a lot of different versions of that on youtube because obviously for licensing reasons that can never be released on like disney right. plus yeah or whatever but uh yeah let's go ahead and uh, just repeat our titles for everybody out there so they can add it to their watch lists and whatnot uh
1: yes i had the 1991 joe johnston directed the
0: rocketeer yes and for my festive holiday little double feature of tv specials i recommended Emmett otter's jug band christmas and a Muppet Family Christmas, but now we're gonna to get to the end here, so we're gonna wrap up. But we gotta thank some people before we do. We get out of here, Brian. We gotta thank Burial Grid for uh, the music for our show. Uh, Purchase his music at burialgrid.com. Uh, thanks to Michelle Kyle for our artwork. Uh, find her at mishkyle 96 on Twitter, and uh, you can also. Uh, we also wanna thank our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Cinema Number Two Letter. Where for just one dollar a month, you all get. Uh, to you know vote for certain movies that we cover for a uh, miniseries, at least one you know we like to put it in your hands to like help program our cinema to the letter season and uh, also you get to listen to bonus content which we've put out a lot of bonus content over the last couple months Brian including yeah, around this time uh, you'll be able to hear um mm-hmm. some stuff like our top 10 disney songs mm-hmm. podcast which we haven't recorded yet but it will be Very curious. Any song written for a Disney movie or TV show or video game or whatever is eligible. I'll be very curious to see uh, what the two of us come up with for those lists. Um, And also, I believe around Christmas Day, um, we're going to do a little experiment where I've um, put together a YouTube playlist of random just Disney bullshit that Brian (laughs) and I are going to watch together and make a sort of like little commentary thing. I think I'll put that out like on Christmas Day. I think it'll be like a fun little treat. For all of you to have, uh, while you're trying to stay away from your family, after y'all, you your presents, and you're like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> <laughs> I need to stay away from you for a bit. Um, and also, we'll definitely by around the end of the year, we'll have another review roundup like we did for November, where we'll be talking about a lot of new releases. Your Aquaman twos, yeah, kind of thing. You get all of that for one dollar, and it really helps out. Keeps the show afloat. Keeps us, you know, moving. Please, please, a donation, sir. Please. Please, I want some cheese to quote the mice in the Muppet Christmas Carol we need cheeses for those Mises yes oh my god <sighs> but to find more of us you can find us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter whatever it's called now um, at cinema number two letter on the socials and you can also find me specifically on Twitter and letterboxes at not the who's Tommy and you know, I'll do some writing on both marianitomas.wordpress.com at film dash cred com.
1: Yes, and you can follow me also on Twitter, still sometimes, at uh, B-R-Y-A-N-D-R-A-T-E, B R Y A N, D R A D E and the number three. Uh or you can follow me on Letterboxd, uh, where I'll, I'll probably have a Muppets a Muppets ranking list up. Hell yeah. Where, uh yeah. And also just watching watching a bunch of other movies, trying to catch up on all those twenty twenty-three movies that I missed, uh G- gotta watch Gran Turismo. Haven't I haven't haven't seen it yet. I gotta gotta see
0: Wait, it. Wait, Gran Turismo based on a true oh, I'm story sorry, from yes. Gamer Deracer? <laughs> Racer? Yeah. I thought you were just gonna watch a let's play of the video game, but now I am aware now you're trying to watch the cinematic excellence from Neil Blomcamp. <laughs> um, but for more of us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or other podcasting platforms. Uh, if you're listening on Talk Home Society, you wanna listen to all the other great shows on the network? Uh, and you can also dig into our archives and our Podbean main feed for the first two seasons of the show, the earlier episodes of this season, all the old double edged double bill stuff, all sorts of stuff that you can listen to on there. And nothing else if you can't support us on the Patreon. That's cool. Money can be tight. But the free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share the show around to give us more visibility in the past, present, or future. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, Brian, uh, we should tease that uh, coming up is our final episode of the Disney season. Yep. It's already almost over. And uh, we're going out with a very interesting one for, of course, our A for Atypical choice. We're going to be doing Return to Oz, the 1985 film that is very atypical in that (laughs) Disney, despite putting on Disney Plus, really wants you to forget this happened. This is (laughs) truly like an insane thing that they made that I know you have not seen at all, right?
1: I have not, no, um, and I've only seen the, the Wizard of Oz, uh, a couple of times in my life. Um, it's become kind of a recent movie that I've been in love with, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I've, I've heard a lot of things, I've seen some stuff, um, yeah, so I'm curious to visit that, and I'm sure we'll talk about more, uh, some more of the Oz, the Oz-verse, <laughs> some of the other movies and from The Wizard of Oz, um, Yeah, it'd be
0: interesting. Yeah, especially interesting, I'll just tease here, this was definitely a movie where I loved the original Wizard of Oz as a kid, and then uh, my dad was like, oh, there's a sequel, you should watch that, and I had Nightmares, (laughs) terrifying film, Um, that also trivia has a bit of a connection in that uh, Brian Henson does the puppetry and voice for one of the main characters in it. Oh,
1: okay. I am thread. I'm very curious by that movie cuz I don't really know a lot about it.
0: But um yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a very interesting episode for sure. Next time we'll wrap up the Disney season on that note. But until then everybody, you know, uh, have a happy holiday. Have a safe, warm, cozy holiday by the fire cuz you know, as little Brian observed,
1: <sighs> God bless us everyone. <laughs>
0: Good day, everybody.